With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Deputy Ted Dolan, the inspiration for Canines for Cops, talks about how he found out that he had lost his canine partner, Black. No, once he got out of my sight, he was he was quiet. I mean, he he didn't he didn't make a, a bunch of noise. I mean, sometimes maybe on a building search, they may <coughs> alert by barking, uh, and uh, that's a whole nother thing. I don't I don't always like that, but um, yeah, no, he he would have just done what he was doing, but I, I stopped and listened, trying to hear anything and couldn't. Uh, so I got on the radio, told the perimeter units, you know, Hey guys, you see him, open your back door and throw him in. Everybody knew he was friendly. I mean, you know, to them, he, he's not, he was not a, uh, out of control dog by any means. Um, and you know, so we stopped looking for crooks and started looking for my dog. And, uh, I just started a grid pattern and, uh, it was dark by now. And, uh, a little while later, my Sergeant came up to me and he had, had his leash, uh, cause he had the six foot just dangling and, uh, he gave me a hug. Welcome to game of crimes. All right, you guys, welcome back. We are just talking. I got a special surprise from Murphy Ghost, something from West Virginia. I said, no, it's not possum. <laughs> if it is from West Virginia, it'll be special. It'll be special. Hey, guys, welcome back. This is episode 46, Game of Crimes. Wow, the hard original. to believe, isn't it? 40, episode 46. 46, man. Uh, you know, a couple more episodes, Murph, and uh, that and your IQ will almost be the same. Woohoo! 157. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just amazed that episode 46 is coming up. You know, we and, and our listeners know we haven't missed a single week yet. No, uh, ever June 28th, man, we started cranking them out. So every week, like clockwork, baby, say everybody, I am Morgan Wright. Obviously, you guys figured that one out, and I'm here literally with my partner in crime, Steve Murphy. Just call me Murph. Guys, we're we're having some fun. So, uh, we're we're gonna get into this here in just a minute, but just real quickly first, uh, just some housekeeping. Mm-hmm. Apple reviews, Spotify, they got five stars. Cinco, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco. It's five stars, man. Just go over and hit those stars for us. It really helps us out. We really, truly appreciate it. Also, head on over to our website, GameOfCrimesPodcast.com for everything. Our new uh, book list that we have there, merch, uh, mailing list, things like that. In fact, we've got some couple guests coming up. One of them has got four books that we're going to add to the list. So Jerry Clark, uh, the Pizza Bomber case. So we'll be talking about him probably in a couple episodes here. Follow us on social media at Game of Crimes on Twitter, at Game of Crimes Podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. But where you got to be, and I'm telling you where you got to be, we just got through recording our case of the month mm-hmm. uh, about the Oklahoma City bombing, about how Timothy McVeigh was actually caught 
and Murph now has to give props to troopers. To one trooper from Oklahoma, not Kansas. All troopers. <laughs> you give all troopers a bad name, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, as yet, undisclosed things that I refuse to acknowledge in public on this podcast. So, uh, But yeah, guys, no, we just finished uh, talking about how Timothy McVeigh was actually caught because when we recorded this episode, it was just a couple days after the 27th anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing, mm-hmm. uh, April 19th. 1995 at 9.02 a.m., 168 people lost their lives, 19 kids. So, I mean, uh, but we dive into, and when you realize how tight of a timeline was, how Timothy McVeigh could have been out had it not been for a series of events and what Charlie Hanger, the trooper who stopped him, called divine intervention. But you're only going to find that one place, and where are they going to find that at, Murph? On the Patreon channel for Game of Crimes. Come and join us. I I guarantee you, you're going to hear some funny stuff on there. You're going to hear some stuff you won't hear anywhere else, too. Patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. So head on over there. we got some good stuff coming out on there. Also, if you just want to throw out something every now and then, uh, you're tired of some cash that you have, just head on over to PayPal.com. Use our email, Game of Crimes Podcast at gmail.com. Very much appreciated. Or PayPal.me. Yeah, it always is. PayPal.me slash Game of Crimes, whatever it makes it easier for you to support the show. But guess what? This is a show about crime. We talk about bad people doing bad things and bad people doing bad things to good people. We do take the story seriously, but... Never. We never take ourselves serious, which makes this a whole lot of fun. And speaking of not taking ourselves seriously, uh, episode 45, Eric Kolbinski, uh, he literally was a riot at DEA. So <laughs> caused a couple of them. You know, what a great story. And, and the fact that, um, you know, he's telling the stories of Luis Navia. The He's the former... Yep. Uh, uh, cocaine trafficker that we had on 25 years in the business got captured while trying to transport, was it 25 tons of cocaine out of Venezuela? 26 tons out of it. And he's lucky he didn't get nailed for that because he would have yeah. been spending life in prison. Yep. And and Eric's the one that arrested him in Venezuela. And believe it or not, today they are very close friends. Very close friends. They go out to lunch. Yep. I'm going to join him one of these days. I think Eric has to buy. <laughs> I think he makes Eric buy. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to join him one of these days. Well, before you join them, though, Murph, we got to get one other thing out of the way, because uh, when you go to lunch, it's lunchtime. But guess what time it is right now, though? It's time for Quick, Small, small Town, town Police, Police Blotter. Faster, faster. Okay. Hey, I got told you I got a surprise. But before we get to your surprise, okay. Steve, did you know a report was received at 11.05 a.m. Tuesday that six Oreo cookies were stolen at a residence in the 900 block of Burley Street? The complainant requested extra patrol in the area. Now, that's a felony in my house. You take six Oreo still... cookies, somebody going to freaking jail, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> All I, yeah. six. Who called yeah, the cops? Yeah. <laughs> for six Oreo cookies. <laughs> well, why not take all of the Oreo cookies? All you got to do is look for, look who's got the crumbles around their mouth. Look for who's got the milk where they've exactly. been dunking. Oreos are only good if you dunk them into milk, right? That's it. Absolutely. That's the way they're made. And if you eat them any other way, that's wrong. It's wrong. It's <laughs> un-American. So this is either some wife wanting to get rid of her husband or vice versa, or a little kid's ticked off because his brother or sister got him. <laughs> That's right. Six Somebody's calling the police on the Oreos. <laughs> but Steve, there's yes. even a more heinous crime that was reported oh. on Sunday, July 19th. Okay. 8.44 a.m. Report of a male riding through neighborhood yelling racial slurs. Three minutes later, 8.47 a.m. Officer stops the man who says he's just trying to find his dog named Snickers. Hmm. Uh, this might be the suspect in our Oreo case. He couldn't find Snickers, so he took Oreos instead. Hmm. 
I, yeah, I'm not even going to say anything on that because I get accused of being racist all the time. Yeah, I'm with two Colombian daughters. Not, yeah, I try not to be. Yeah. All right, Steve, I am not going to tell you where this is from, but I'm just going to read you. And this comes to us from one of our listeners. And in fact, let me see. I was trying to find out who sent it. Oh, I got to get the name here, too. I'll get the name. All right. Um, but Steve, May 23rd. Larceny was reported. Captain K.W. Reed received a report from a Joywood resident advising that she left a female, let a female into her home to use the restroom and believed that the woman stole $1.50 in cash, her BB&T credit card, her West Virginia food stamp benefits card, and her direct express social security benefits card from her purse before leaving. She said that the purse was in her bedroom and the guest who identified herself only as Dolly, of course, must have found her purse and also the complainant could not identify the suspect's full name. The mother's name is reportedly Teresa White and Dolly drives an old model black spray-painted car. Yes. Have you heard about the Whites of West Virginia? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if, Steve, that's one, if that's one of their family members, it's one of these still the whole damn Could house. be one of those things. Steve, where do you think this story came from? Well, if he stole the West Virginia food stamps, it has to be in West Virginia. Where at in West Virginia? Don't tell me, Bluefield. Joywood Road. This comes out of the Bluefield Daily Telegraph. Yeah, that's right there in Bluefield. I never heard of Joywood Road, though. They might have added it. You know, they might have grown. Might have added two or three more houses since she left. You know, yeah. it could have had a housing boom. Uh, unfortunately, it's. I think it's shrinking. What's shrinking? Bluefield. Oh. The, the, population. the population. I didn't know if you were having another personal moment here. So. <laughs> you nasty man. You are a nasty man. Hey, let me tell you. Now, I was thinking about what year was it, but let me tell you, I found this article, and I'm actually going to do, I think we'll do a, a Patreon episode about this guy, but this was, um, this, has, this is crime-related, but can you imagine having this ad written about you? You're... It's it's the biggest advertising fail I've seen. It's called Open for Business. And James Clint, who spent more than a year in the Quad City spotlight for murdering and dismembering his wife, has opened a tiny eatery at 4th and Howell Streets in Davenport, Iowa, called Eats and Sweets. Oh, that's gross. Who would go there and eat? You don't know what you're going to get there. He's Not got after a that description. <laughs> He's got a history. Dude, oh I mean, but it's like he kills his wife and dismembers her, but yet he opens up. But the way the paper wrote it, on the spotlight for murdering and dismembering his wife, has opened up a tiny eatery called Eats and Sweets. I mean, who's going to go there? Not, not, not me. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> oh, what the hell were you thinking? Hey, and I, and I got to clarify that last story. Joywood Road is not in Bluefield. It's in the little town of Princeton, West Virginia, where I graduated high school. I just looked it up. There, I didn't say it was from Bluefield. I just said it was in the Bluefield tele, Daily Telegraph. Right, right. And we're just clarifying points here. Just clarifying points. That's right. <laughs> clarifying points. And I got to get the name. I had it written down here. So uh, before we uh, – I'll, I'll make sure we have it for the outro. I'm going to credit the proper person for this. But anyway, All right. speaking of that, Steve, uh, this is an interesting one because uh, we had an episode, a couple episodes back, to where we had Christy Schiller. Christy came on. And talked about canines for cops. In fact, she was episode 43. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing that got canine for cops started was uh, a story she just saw going across the TV about a uh, constable in Texas who had lost his dog. A dog was killed while they were out searching for stuff. And 
that this is what inspired her. I mean, we don't have to repeat her story because it was there, right. but she said, Hey, let me introduce you to this guy. So we got a hold of Ted Dolan and got him um on the air. And I'll tell you, a Texas boy for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but but you know, Steve, what you guys are gonna have to listen to this is gonna be now this episode, folks. Um and Merce just learning this too. This is just a one-parter. I mean, Ted actually had some obligations he had to attend to that involved the death line of duty death of another constable. And so we didn't have a lot of time. So this is only going to be a one-parter. But I tell you, but for the one-parter, and when we get to the point of where he talks about losing Bleck, uh, I mean, just you can hear a pin drop. All these years later, I mean, it just it shows it's a great demonstration of how that how strong that bond is between police officers or military personnel, for that matter, and their canines. You know, there's they're viewed as, and now thankfully they're treated. If they're killed in the line of duty, they're treated as a law enforcement death. You know, and and you think about your own animals, Morgan. And we've had animals, and you know, if you killed my dog, I'm probably going to handle that more seriously than if you killed the person. I mean, we love our pets, right? And and these canines are much more than a pet, but it's still you'll hear the effect it still has on him when he tells you the story. I was just honored to have him come on and tell us the story. But look at the great thing it resulted in. Canines for cops and canines for kids. Uh, getting to meet Christy Schiller, going on the uh, uh, Steve Harvey show when she was recognized as one of uh, Harvey's heroes. We just take our hats off to you, Ted. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, brother. Man, I, and I tell you, it, it really is. It's it's so heartwarming. And um, but But what's very interesting about this too is you guys hear about this. Just listen to the effort that's put into training these dogs, what it takes. and But listen to the impact. Listen to what he says happened because of Bleck's death, what it actually led to, and how these guys had no idea what they were unleashing when they killed his dog. Um, and I'll tell you the other thing, too. It just, it, it just really makes your heart stop for a minute when he talks about how we found out about Bleck. So let's not uh, give away right. too much, right, right. Steve? But if we're going to hear this, i got to ask you one question. Are you ready to play the biggest, baddest, still interesting and most dangerous game of all, the game of crimes? You know, this time I'm going to say, before I say my little saying, get your tissues out. Then get in, sit down, shut up, and hold on. Let's listen to Ted's story. This, I'm telling you, it's a tearjerker. Hey guys, this is going to be a fun episode. We're just doing a little bit of talking for the pre-call, and this is what got everything started. If you guys will go back and remember episode 43, Christy Schiller, um, she is the one that got this whole canine for cops thing started off, but it was because, so what's the origin story? It has to start somewhere. And it started with her watching a news story one night, Murph, yeah. of, uh, you know, and this, this is what, this is what r- really makes this stuff great. Cause she watched it. We're not going to tell the story yet. Cause we don't want to jump the gun, but, um, I think this is the origin story is what gets this whole thing in motion. And unfortunately, as most origin stories do like this, it comes out of a tragedy. But out of that tragedy came a much greater good, wouldn't you think? Oh, absolutely. And this we got to give another shout out to Christy Schiller for creating Canines for Cops, one of the best freaking organizations. You're looking for something to support here. You want to support law enforcement. Take a look at Canine for Cops and Canines for Kids. Uh, just fantastic what they're doing, and let's let's get our guest on here because it's an honor right. to have this young man on here. It is so. Hey, we are welcoming to the podcast Deputy Ted Dolan. Welcome, Woo-hoo. Deputy Ted. Hey, good morning, guys. 
It's like Lieutenant Dan, you know, Forrest Gump. Lieutenant Dan, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I just introduced him as a young man. I'm looking at him, and our listeners can't see the screen. We only record the audio for it. Where did all that gray come from there, mister? Uh, you got kids, don't you? 23 years being a cop. <laughs> <laughs> at least you still got hair. <laughs> no, that, the headphones are covering up the bald spot. But. There you go. There See, you I'm, go. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm just blessed. I, I got so much of it, I give it away. So and here's just, the first one. There you and go. There's the first one. <laughs> we talked about that. So, hey, Ted, first of all, like I said, huge welcome. This is what we're going to get into. This is a story that, you know, it's really, for me, it tugs at the heartstrings because I think people have a soft spot for animals. You know, there's a lot of people who love their animals. All of our kids are growing up, so now we got two pets. We got two cats who are the bane of my existence, but you know, but people, I think there's just a special bond, especially with dogs. Cause there's that old saying that dogs are the only animal who love you more than they love themselves. Yeah. So just the, just the pure loyalty. So let's get into this first though, by deciding what in the hell possessed you to get into law enforcement? Was it just a hangover? Was it, did you lose a bet? <laughs> you know, what was the deal here? All of the above. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I tried the college thing. Um, it was not for me. It was a waste of money, <laughs> actually a waste of my parents' money. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I'd, I'd worked for a, an attorney right out of uh, high school. Hey, hold there's on. Your, uh, there's your first mistake right there's there. your first one. <laughs> but let's back up for a second. Why was What was it about college that was not for you? It, it don't let's so waste. You know, I like what Mike Rowe does. So you don't have to go to college now to get an education or to do stuff. But what was it about college that did not appeal to you? What is, was it what you were studying or where you thought yeah. you were headed with it? Exactly. No, I mean, not the headed part, but I go in there and I pay a bunch of money and try to sign up for a class. And they said, I couldn't, you can't sign up for that one. I said, what do you mean? They said, well, you got to, you have to sign up for this one. You have to have this one. I, I'm paying for this. Why can't I, why can't I take I this? That that's one. what I want to take. Well, you can't do that. That's basically, they're telling me it's a societal thing. And I said, well, that's a bunch of bullshit. So I'm not going to go. Uh, I, I like to learn. I just want to learn what, what I'm going to learn. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I went on and started, uh, working, um, for, for this attorney who I kind of was a, a go for go, go to all guy to do a lot of different things. But he and the attorney in the office owned a, a ranch out in the hill country and uh, started going up there, spent a lot of time. And that transitioned into uh, moving out to the hill country and, and uh, working on a few different ranches and doing things out there. What kind um, of a, what kind of attorney was he? Defense, criminal defense, uh, uh, litigation? Yeah, what? they were they were plaintiff's attorneys. So they, they didn't make much money, but, uh, you know. I'm totally joking. Yeah, they. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, the, their yeah. ranch was probably. Hey, Steve, listen up. Okay, how big was their ranch? Do you remember how many acres? Oh yeah, it was 732 acres. It was high fenced, had exotics, had a low and high uh, skeet skeet house range, uh, multiple homes. Hey, I, I, I got uh, a quarter acre lot. And uh, yeah, I got a little bit too, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was it was beautiful at the at the time that it was sold. If I could have found six million dollars, I'd have bought it. But uh, I wasn't quite making that much. Uh, All you had to do was sue yeah. somebody and win. Yeah. Well, and and the other attorney uh, was a more of a cattleman, and uh, when he sold out to the 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 guy that I did more work for, he bought like with leases and everything out in West Texas. It ended up being about one hundred and forty thousand acres. Uh, wow. So, you know what, yeah. Javier and I, I'm sure you know where Victoria, Texas is. Oh, yes, sir. 
So we're down there speaking to an organization, and uh, the sheriff was there, and, and we were talking about Pablo Escobar's ranch. And I see, you know, we've been told it was anywhere from a thousand to ten thousand acres. So it doesn't matter; it's big, you know, it's huge, whatever it was. But when we finished our presentation, the sheriff came up and he said, "And, and Murph, I just want to address one thing: a ten thousand acre ranch here in Texas, we call that a ranchette." Just <laughs> like a wannabe ranch. Exactly. <laughs> okay, boss. What did yeah, you say, we boss? Out, we got out there and looked, uh, and I asked where the, the the property line ended, and they pointed out to a mountain range way, way off. And uh, wow. I said, "You see that one?" I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Beyond that." And I was like, "Holy cow!" Right, like more than two days no, ride big. on horseback. So yeah, it was it was it was big. Wow. What fun. So now where is this where you're talking about? Just give us an idea in terms of the Republic of Texas. Where is that located at? Where where I mainly lived and worked uh, was central Texas, right near Austin, uh, just just west of Austin, south of Austin, southwest of Austin. So uh, maybe 45 minutes to an hour from Austin and then about the same to San Antonio. It's uh, it is it's crazy now what it looks like it didn't look anything like it used to so yeah i flew into austin here well before covid but it's like just the trip it's so busy now just the trip from the airport i know university of texas is there but man the traffic and everything just not what it was you know like you say years ago no it's (laughs) yeah it is a it's a little san francisco now well the official motto of austin is keep austin weird it is definitely that Oh, that's not a good thing compared to San Francisco. I mean, we love well, they San actually Francisco. have apps. They don't tell you where people poop. They just tell you where cattle are parked. You know, just that's like the stockyards down at Fort Worth. One of the best things down there is they would have a guy walking around with the, one of the big longhorn cattles, and people would pay pictures to sit up on that thing. You know, and just you know, pay money to get up there, have their pictures taken. Mm-hmm. I'm going, yeah. You might think he's food. You might think it's fun, but see those little horns right there. Yeah. They ain't so yeah. fun. Yeah. And Jeez. Austin's beautiful. I love the I love the city. The things you can do there, the water act, all the activities. But it's just, again, it's it's weird. It's weird. Well, so you're working this ranch. So how long are you working this? And and where does the bug for law enforcement come in finally? Well, back and forth. I was I was working between the hill country and and here in Houston. And I worked in uh, restaurants and uh, some bars. You know, doing doing restaurant work and bar work, waiting tables. And uh, one of the guys I met when I was doing that uh, left waiting tables and said he was going to the police academy. And I was like, huh? Like, couldn't believe he would be going to the police academy because uh, he was just goofier than I was. Uh, you thought he should be an inmate instead of a police officer? Eh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I, potential. I, I still see the guy today now and then. He actually drives for UPS now. But uh, uh. Uh, it's... It, uh, he went and then someone who actually later it's a long story we won't get into it today but who later became my cousin which sounds really bad uh just like something out of arkansas or west virginia yeah Yeah, (laughs) it does he actually was the entertainment at a at a restaurant that i managed in the hill country uh who later ended up marrying my wife's cousin i know it sounds anyway uh Uh, makes perfect sense yeah uh He said he was going to the police academy. I was like, holy shit. If if these guys are going to the academy, I mean, I could. And uh, I'm up for a challenge. And, I mean, I, I'd love to tell you it was because I wanted to, you know, be Captain Save-A-Ho and go save the world. But I just 
I didn't know what I wanted to do. And this was a new thing to try. Right. Uh, and so down here, it's a little different. Well, I didn't go to a large academy through a, through a department. Um, there are so many agencies in Harris County alone. Last time I looked uh, for filing charges, there's 64 agencies just in Harris County alone. Um, so there are a lot. Yeah, there's. I mean, <laughs> because you have, the, yeah, you have the ISDs, uh, you know, the district attorney's office, you have. Uh, ISDs are independent school districts? Correct. Um Mud districts can have their own police department in uh, Code of Criminal Procedure 2.12, who are peace officers in the state of Texas. It's it's like three pages. I mean, it's crazy who can make up a police department. Now, a lot of people don't, but they're, they're, uh, there are a ton of them. So, uh, What's a mud district? Yeah. Municipal utility district. Okay. Uh, so, so they dig a big well and a neighborhood's built around them and they provide the water and the services like that for them. Um, and a lot of them, and I, I'm getting way down a rabbit hole, but they'll contract through, uh, one of the agencies out of the constable's office or the sheriff's office where I work, um, in the County for extra patrol services, um, on top of what's out there the Houston and, and Harris County is such a spread out area. It's a thousand fifty square miles, if I remember correctly. Um, and there are all these agencies. And so if only the Houston Police Department and the Harris County Sheriff's Office were putting on academies, I mean, you just couldn't put that many people through. Um, so there's there are a few colleges around here that will put on a, a, a police academy. Hmm. And uh, they uh, I- I- at the time, I, I think it was 610 hours when I went through, which now it's a thousand or something. Uh, they keep adding stuff. Um, but it, it, along with any other academy, it basically prepares you for the state exam, ultimately. And some of these other agencies, the, the city and, and the sheriff's office, you know, they're going to put in their own uh, twist on it, their own flavor, what they what they want to add once you get done and, and get hired on there. So, Hey, through the magic of Al Gore's amazing internet, I just checked something. So Harris County is actually 1,778 square miles. The state of Delaware is 1,900 square miles. There you have it. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a state inside a state. Yeah. Inside a county. <laughs> yeah, inside a county. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, well, you know, it's uh, 64 agencies, man. There's not even 64 agencies. Well, I don't know. That almost sounds like D.C., Murph. You know, you think about all the different yeah. federal agencies and everybody. It's crazy. Everybody's got their own agency. How many uh, sworn officers does Harris County have? Sworn, I think we have, if you're talking about the sheriff's office, we I think it's about 3,000, give or take. <laughs> uh, right now, half half the department sells it will retire, um, wow. which is going to be a big problem here. Uh, hey, real quick, let's... Let's let's talk about the difference too, because you work for the constable's office, and then there's the sheriff's office. What is the distinction between constable? Because I see this too. We were just talking about. In fact, we're going to talk about this here in a minute about what you're getting ready to go uh, do right now. But I see a lot of notes, or you see some things too. Officers killed, and some of them have been Harris County constables. What's what's the difference down there in Texas? So. You know, now I'm with the sheriff's office. I started with the constable's office and was there for 17 years before I moved over to the sheriff's office. But um, again, part of the the main duty of the constable in, in the county is to serve civil process and Class C warrants. Um, it, it, to to make it, to simplify it, um, 
And I believe if you look at it, and I'd have to research it, but I think he's the only one that can, or deputy constable can arrest the governor. That's it. I don't think anybody else can, but that's just a, uh, you know, an infotainment kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and then the sheriff in a lot of counties here in Texas will be the one that serves process. But uh, here, uh, basically, the sheriff's main duty is to run the jail in the county um, and uh, other things. But that that's kind of the difference is the, the constable's office is serving civil process and, and running the Class C warrants. And then the sheriff's office is doing the jail and, and felony warrants. And because of uh, Harris County being so large, there would be no coverage if, if these constable's offices didn't have patrol deputies as well. So a lot of people from smaller towns think, oh, well, you know, you're just a constable. We, you know, I got looked down upon kind of like, oh, you're a dog catcher. <laughs> like you didn't, <laughs> didn't know what you were doing or, and, and I get it, right? Like, I mean, we all have those guys, right? I mean, I, you know, I've worked at, at both agents, you know, constables and sheriff's office and, and all the agencies have those guys, you know. Yep. So uh, it's about On this what you podcast. I have Murph. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, my, you uh, are so freaking lucky. Uh, but, but that would be that would just be the main difference. I mean, the powers that you have basically are the same. You know, or, or your arrest powers and 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 all that. I mean, it's what's a class C warrant? Uh, traffic, uh, something okay. like that. Uh, so. Um, you know, but any, now would you? But would you also have? I mean, when you weren't busy doing that, would you also have the ability to do any kind of proactive patrol, go out and do traffic enforcement, or you know, um, you know, work other types of uh, assignments? Oh, definitely. Um, and I got in trouble for a lot of it, but. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, we're just about to talk about the Dolan rule uh, that that's was all, instituted across Texas. Yes. Yeah. Well, we got you uh, on here. Yeah. Um, Yes. And again, I said something about um, contracts. And so there were a lot of contracts, uh, maybe a neighborhood that went in 70, uh, 30, which would mean 70% of the time you're supposed to spend your time in a contract and 30% of the time you could be out of that contract in the district uh, answering calls, which sounds very confusing. And it is, especially on paper. Um, but um, yeah, there was a lot of that. And I had, you know, over the years, I I worked a couple of cases that were, were pretty cool. Um, and, uh, I had a sergeant that really backed me. Who's a good guy that, uh, it probably wouldn't have happened if he hadn't pushed for it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, I could work traffic. You could do what you want to do. I, unfortunately I seemed to be a magnet for drunks, even when I wasn't looking for them. Uh, you know, I'd pull them over for a, a license plate light being out and you know, there you have it. They'd be drunk and have, you know, I don't know stolen property and you know just all kinds of problems so hey uh the other thing too i noticed is there's a lot of there's a lot of things that say like precinct seven you know precinct five are each of those precincts independent or do you guys organize the same way the sheriff's office where they have their subdivisions or precincts out there or is each precinct kind of in and of itself its own little fiefdom there are yes uh there are eight constables agencies in the county and so each one is an elected official. I didn't tell you that earlier. I'm sorry. Uh, and yeah, the wow. sheriff is elected and then the constables are elected officials as well. Um, so now there are f uh, four commissioners for four precincts. So there's one, two, three, and four uh, for commissioners. But then when it comes to the constables, there are eight and uh Four was Northwest Harris County. Five is kind of Southwest. Uh, they just changed the boundaries. Uh, I guess politics. I don't know. Um, 
uh, you know, going around six was kind of the center of downtown. So, and precinct one is downtown precinct one's duties, uh, are the interior of the court, uh, and exterior of the court buildings. But then the sheriff's office has, uh, bailiff duties and, you know, so it's, a uh, it's a whole lot of overlap. It's a, it's a pile of spaghetti trying to figure out who's got who's doing what in there. Yeah. Wow. There's there's a whole there's a whole week of the academy just figuring out how Harris County is structured. <laughs> it, it can be confusing. Well, I'm so, looking here too, Morgan. The, the I mean, it says Harris County is the third most populous county in the United States. Holy cow! That's a you know I think it's what I'm seeing four point seven million people. Yeah, it's got to be right after uh, probably L.A. County and New York. Uh, so, I mean, that's a lot of people. Well, so because you're kind of organized that way, how did you get involved then? Um, kind of tell us about your path, about the way you worked up to when was the first time you got involved with handling canines? Or when did they get involved with handling you, I should ask? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, the first time I was exposed was in the academy. Uh, I had a buddy that um, – He's down near Galveston somewhere now working. I think he's an assistant chief or something. But he had a dog that was his that he used because uh, he was a reserve somewhere, I think, or or something. But they – and he, you know, he'd throw out these pieces of PVC and the dog would go find it. And I was – you know, I thought that was kind of cool. But, I mean, that was the first time I was ever exposed to it. But um, when it was 2000 – end of 2005, early 2006 um, – the uh, the office, you know, the precinct floor where I was working, posted a uh, an opening for a canine handler, and and it was going to be the first time that the department had actually, uh, I don't want to say do it right, but that uh, before it had been guys purchasing their own dogs, training them, those kind of things, and and the guys, I, I give them all the credit in the world, they did they did what they could do with what they had, right? And they did a great job, and and I. Some of them are, are buddies of mine to this day, and, and like I say, they I give them a lot of credit. But this was going to be the first time that they were going to formally send somebody off to a, a a school and and get a dog from there. And and uh, it's it was it was a well known kennel at the time, and 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 still is. And uh, I thought, gee, that that could be a good opportunity. Really, it's kind of selfish when I uh, when I saw the posting, and uh, a bunch of bunch of guys ended up putting in for it. Uh, actually. So, um, it went down. You, to, yeah. I was going to say, how did you end up getting selected to fall? If a bunch of guys put into it, how did they decide? It whittled down to three of us. Um, we interviewed, um, at the time it was, uh, I guess he was a captain. He'd been over to, in the school district running that as a Lieutenant. Uh, and, uh, I, I don't know. There, uh, you know, we interviewed, I, I left that interview and I felt like I blew it, <laughs> be honest with you. And, uh, you know, the guy had always tried to re recruit me, uh, to come and work with him and, and do things. Um, I, school district was not where I needed to be with children, uh, that didn't want to <laughs> listen. Uh, I would have gotten in trouble. Um, but again, uh, I, I don't know. I was on my days off and guys were blowing up my phone or texting me. I don't remember if we even had, I think we had cell phones back then, but, uh, uh, you know, and they're, Hey, congratulations. And I was like, for what, you know, and the posting had come out and, uh, it, everybody was surprised. Cause one of the guys interviewed, his dad was a sergeant over the unit and, you know, uh, he's a, he's a handler still today and he's a good handler. Uh, but everybody just assumed that he would get it and, uh, he didn't. Um, 
So uh, he, shortly after he came over and, and we had another spot, but uh, yeah, I, I got selected. So what year was that approximately? Uh, end of 05, begin, probably beginning of 06, I believe it was when it was. Uh, okay. So you had about seven or eight years on at this time, right? Yeah. Seven years on. I'd, I'd worked uh, probably night shift for three or four Ever. years, cut my teeth and uh, learned how to be the police, which, and, and I still don't know how to be the police, but that was where I really uh, started learning, moved to evening shifts. Yeah. What you learn, what you learn is how to deal with people because you know, they all lie to you. Oh yeah. I, I used to be very timid and wasn't very out, outgoing and people look when I say that go, what? Huh? Not you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But I mean, it was like a, a switch got flipped, uh, you know, after a few years. Um, so what, and, what were some of those, like you say, you were working midnights. Um, were you, Obviously, with 64 agencies there, there must have been a lot of stuff going on in terms of like maybe backing up other agencies, you know, or other officers or getting involved in stuff. Well, yeah, you, you would think that, but a lot of those agencies work, you know, bankers hours. Um, so they're not honest, full service. Yeah. No, honestly, in, in, uh, in my district, in my West district, um, I don't even remember how many miles. I mean, it's, it's, it was a good area. Um, but basically it was me and another guy on it on nights, uh, two of us, sometimes three, but mainly two. And I covered, um, there was a, uh, FM road kind of cut through the middle and I had everything, uh, actually North of there and he had everything South of there. Um, so it, it would take, you know, 15, 20 minutes for me to get to him. Um, yeah, you know, unless unless I was running hot, and but yeah, it was it was sparse back then, and a lot of times it was guys coming over. The line was a freeway uh, for for our districts, um, and a lot of guys would run over from that other district, even though they technically weren't supposed to or whatever. You know, we're going to help each other out. So, what about uh, communication? I mean, did you have multi agency communication in your cruisers? Uh, yeah, the, I mean, we could switch. Uh, with within car radio and, and and the headhelds uh to most of the county agencies um you know depending on who you're you're with and and what you're doing you may not have access to certain ones but basic uh main dispatch channels pretty much it, it's amazing now back then we still had quite a few i could reach out to all the constables agencies and the sheriff's office if i needed to all their districts but i mean the sheriff's office now has we have six six different well five districts and then a, a main dispatch channel so were you dispatched on calls or, or are you just out looking for problems uh both we uh we, we had a non-emergency number at the consul's office and um so people would call direct they call in an emergency on that number and uh but if it went into 911 and it was one of these contracts that they had with the county 911 mm -hmm. would literally just roll the call over on on the computer system it would pop up on our dispatcher screen and it would it would be there to be dispatched you know to us okay. so uh i was just thinking dang. about the complexity thinking about being in dispatch and yeah. you have a 911 call coming okay now wait a minute is this contract or is this are you is this during you know the times you're supposed to be there are they full service i mean even my wife was a dispatcher for years too and, you know we'd work with our dispatchers on the state patrol you know, you realize you don't realize it. And by the way, as we're recording this, I do believe this is National Telecommunicators Week. It's the week of uh, 
April 11th. So, you know, here's our salute to all those fine men and women who are the voice behind the badge and, you know, Amen. do stuff like that. I mean, they save your ass. I mean, the people that tell you where to go. Oh, yep. that's my wife. So, uh, and my kids. <laughs> yeah, mine too. <laughs> but, but, but to that point though, is that you realize it's, there's a lot of complexity, especially when you've got stuff like that. So rolling those calls over, what, what was the, what was a, I don't want to say an average shift, you know, or standard shift, but, um, most of the time, what were the majority of things that you would handle that you would get dispatched to? What kind of things does the constable's office handle? Would you handle everything get called the homicides as well as, uh, somebody stole my bike out of my backyard? So, so there was an agreement. Uh, and I think it's still the same. And, uh, basically we work anything, at least from, from initial call, we work everything, homicides, whatever. Now, once it comes to, Hey, the scene's under control, we're going to get things going. The sheriff's office has the investigators. They have a crime scene unit, things like that. So, uh, homicides, uh, rape, uh, aggravated robberies, depending on you know, if there's, you know, serious injuries, things like that. Uh, typically, uh, there's what's called watch command. And, and uh, so a supervisor would call into watch command and say, hey, this is what we have. Do you all want to make the scene kind of thing? And, you know, the, the, the investigators would decide, did they want to make the scene or do they just want to follow up on our report, our initial report? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we, we, we responded to everything that, that, uh, anybody else would in the county um you know when i started i actually started in dispatch and uh because they didn't have any full-time slots available so i was doing reserve work and and i needed a paycheck uh, yeah. and yep. it was <laughs> and it, it it was the best thing i could have ever done honestly because i learned all those beats and and you know like you said well who does it where does it go well there you know there are beats and we don't use 10 codes or other codes that we use uh, for calls you know 671 is an information call the 110 is a burglary motor vehicle the 501 is a suspicious vehicle I mean, you know it just goes on and on but uh well let, it, let's settle a let's settle a, a very complex issue when it comes to dispatching people there's y'all and all y'all so my understanding is y'all is singular and all y'all is plural is that correct from a dispatch standpoint yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say I'd, I'd go with that. Yeah, I never thought about it, but yeah, I'd, I'll bite for that. Yeah, sure. No, it's in the southeast. Y'all is just all inclusive. I mean, it, I know. I guess it would it would depend. I mean, it depend on the situation, right? Like I you know, the guy screaming for help. Y'all get y'all get after it or go get. It. You know, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Right? Y'all get your ass out of here. Y'all yeah, want to jail. Right. Yeah. Or all y'all is going to be in trouble. Yeah. Now, Murph, that's a, yeah, that, that was used quite often. Yeah. The, see? The going, yeah, y'all. And, so. and everybody understood the meaning. Uh, yes, they did. They didn't always comply, but they understood the meaning. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not like so, it used to be. Yeah, I want to make a slight correction. Uh, National Telecommunicators Week is April 10th through April 16th. So it started uh, Sunday. But anyway. Um, our salute goes out to those folks as we're recording this, yeah. the episode won't come out on that day, but as we're recording this, so, but, um, so you're working, I mean, that's interesting. So you work dispatch. What did you learn in dispatch that helped you out when you got out onto the road? Just all of the districts that, that were in the constable's office, right? We had a, uh, a West district an East district, a, a North central, central, South central, um, how the unit numbers were made up, you know, who was where, um, contracts those, those things uh, are extremely important when you yeah. and, and <laughs> when you really get in a hot situation and need yeah. help <laughs> how i remember guys more the voice than than the, the unit numbers right I'm, i've never been a good person with with names or anything like that i can I've, i have really good i say really good but i'm 
you know, I play music by ear, guitar, things like that. So, I mean, I, I hear things better. Uh, Murph hears so. things too. Lots of things. Yeah. <laughs> what? Wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait, what? Okay. Okay. We're good for now. Hey, but, but you know, the other thing too, in dispatch, you also learned how big of a pain in the ass constables are, right? Oh, I had a few guys bark back at me, you know, trying to find their location. They're chasing some guys and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, being there, uh, I do sometimes, you know, you shouldn't snap back, right? You snap back at a dispatcher, you're going to do a bunch of barking dog calls. You're going to get the shit calls, right? Um, payback everywhere. Hey, and did I, I'm, I can't confirm or deny that I might've done that to guys when I was dispatching. Um, but one Adam 12, see the lady barking dog. That's it. Uh, or send it, you know, it's the end of the shift and you're going to send them way across their district to go to a call right at the end of the shift. I mean, you know, you, you, oh, you that's do. cold so, brother. That's hey, cold. <laughs> I'm just saying, I've seen it done. I'm not saying I did it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, so, so sometimes I'll, I'll get a little snippy back, but I, I, I feel like I'm allowed to do that only because I've been there. Right. And, and, uh, so I, there are a couple of times I've had to go back. I just ate crow, uh, this last month working the, the Houston livestock show on rodeo. I saw a guy that was on the radio when I had a critical incident and uh, I apologized to him because, uh, I was a little, little hard on him. So, well, some uh, people key that damn mic and think they're supposed to keep it keyed and type the whole circuit, you know, until uh, they finish their dissertation. <laughs> Well, he he was he was the dispatcher on on the radio at the time, so he he did have a reason to key it. Now you're right about the other ones. I, I yeah, I had issues with a bunch of them too. But uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I might have gave dispatchers a couple headaches myself. Yeah, <laughs> you give me know. a freaking headache every day. Man. Well, I was but I, I was the guy too. I was doing. But but even as a trooper, I was doing traffic stops all the time. And then once I went through my first epic training, Steve, El Paso Information Center, and I learned about running tail numbers on planes and all the neat stuff you could do, I'd go out to the airport. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Epic. And he, you said you were a trooper? I was a state who uh, started off as a city. Hey, don't laugh, Murph. <laughs> Let me tell you, one riot, one ranger, one riot, one trooper. Um, I started one off rack, as a city officer, ticket. then was a state trooper in Kansas, then went uh, back to the police department as a detective. So you he did just... finally come to your senses because I, I – See, okay, wow. asshole. I thought, I thought we were going to be fine here. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, hey. if you started off as trooper and then gone somewhere else, I can understand it, but – I, mean, oh, I to... went back to the police department, but let's, no, 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 let's put it this way. So you came to your senses. Remember how you said dispatchers can send you to the end? You know, of the... just remember the guy who edits the podcast can make you look like a hero or a zero. So <laughs> you see, squirming does did. He just had to get his ticket. You know, his quota every day to get one ticket, one work, one rack. Hey man, two more. T- all right, you're asked two more tickets, Murph. I go to the policeman's ball for free, so just watch yourself. That there was you the only joke. Yeah, there aren't quotas. We can write as many uh, as we want. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ted. Well, you know that was what? Very good topic, Ted. Thank you. That made the whole interview right there. I knew exactly where that was going when he went, You're a trooper. Okay. Oh, Back so to our regularly good. scheduled podcast. Murph finally uh, has somebody on his side. Uh, I don't choose sides. You apparently did on this one, pal. Y'all's ass is in trouble. I hope that was clear. Let me, all y'all is going to be in trouble. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to our regularly scheduled podcast. Okay. So, yeah, you'd be working Ooh. these things. You work dispatch. You learn those things. Um, when you got out, though, 
like you said, at some point you finally got the dog. Let's talk about your first dog, because this is what kind of sets the stage in motion for uh, our story later. So your first dog was, um, like you said, about 2005, 2006, right? When you went through training? October 2006, I think, is when we started up in Indiana. I went up there for – actually went up a week early to – to choose the dog and kind of bond with him before I started class. Now, do you choose the dog or does the dog choose you? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, it, it, I mean, I've been doing, working with dogs 15 years now and it's, uh, yeah, it, it, at the time I just, I laid myself on the altar to those guys and said I was an idiot and didn't know what I was doing and please help me. And, uh, so um, I bet you they appreciated that more than all the, you know, the cocky assholes that come uh, in. Like, I want that dog. Yeah. And and that's something else I've learned over, over the years. I don't, it doesn't, I don't really care what it looks like. I mean, sure. It's nice to have a pretty dog, but if it does what I need it to do, that's, that's what I care about. And, mm-hmm. and to what, to your point, yeah, they, they kind of do choose you. And after I saw the dogs I saw and was asked, you know, they showed me dogs because now that I kind of do that and I'm in a, a train, uh, I can look back and go, okay, now I see what they were doing. Um, mm-hmm. but they showed me some dogs that they thought would be my speed. And, uh, and yeah, that dog spoke to me. And, uh, so that's, so that's the one I chose. And if, if Morgan had been a canine trooper, do they have special ed dogs for people like him? Murph, watch yourself, <laughs> watch yourself. Okay. I'll leave you though. I'm sorry. It's Monday. Let me remind you which DEA agent could cut it on the highway patrol. Yeah, well, I wasn't this DEA agent. <laughs> yeah, we'll have that story again. Ted, you've opened up a can of worms, pal. Way to go. Good job. <laughs> I'm going to be getting the one finger salute here in a minute. No, you're not. Just be careful about which packages you open in the next few days. I know I'm, I'm, I'm dude, it's like, uh, you know, revenge is a dish best served ice cold. So, pal, mm-hmm. it might be a day from now. You'll never know when. You'll never know where. But when it happens, you'll know who and you'll know why. So, uh, we'll, so we'll get we'll get into that. But let's talk about your dog. What was your first? What kind of dog was it? What'd you call it? Uh, he was a Czech Shepherd. Uh, his name was Bleck, and uh, he was. I, was, I, I don't know. Pictures about 90 of pounds. He, was a, he was a pretty dog. He was. He was uh, kind of a sable shepherd. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, he was a little skinny. They're usually, most of them are skinny when they come from, from Europe. Um, but after some time we put some weight on him and, uh, you know, started, started working, but, uh, yeah, we went through, uh, five weeks of training in Indiana. And at the end of the, uh, five weeks, this, this, uh, this kennel puts on a annual Olympics, um, and part of us graduating was taking the dogs to the Olympics. And, uh, whew, that was a uh, eye opening. Um, why? I, I, well, just <laughs> what I didn't know. Right. Um, we did take home some hardware. He, he got a third, two third place trophies in explosive detection. Um, which. Yeah. Let's talk about that too, because you Wait. can, you can train canines for a variety of things. So, what was yours? What was Black trained in, and why? He's what we call dual purpose, and uh, you know, two jobs. Pretty self-explanatory, but not, you know, I don't. Uh, but yeah, uh, patrol, which consists of tracking uh, area searches, building searches, basically looking for for man uh, or woman, um, and uh, then explosive detection. So um, 
that that's at the time the replacement dog we were replacing a dog with a school district that was a bomb dog and the department said yeah we're going to continue to to give those services but we're also going to put a patrol dog side on it because it was just getting so busy and you know we needed that also so now so with the dogs is is it um, I, I don't. I really don't know anything about canines. Is it common for them to have multiple disciplines like that, where you know people and explosives, or more than two? Or it is common, um, but now you don't want to take narcotics and explosives, obviously, because if you get an alert, what do you have? A bomb or a joint, right? Um, <laughs> Damn! Uh, calling a trooper. <laughs> You're man. gonna play this sorry, out, man. I'm yes. Sorry, man. That was just so easy. Uh, <laughs> Ted, uh, dude, I'm sorry, man. We got to cut this podcast off. You have unleashed Murph. I- I'm never going to hear the end of this. He's finally found one person that actually has been listening into the crap he's been dishing out. I personally am offended. I'm going to go get. By the way, there's a reason why cats are not patrol. There's you don't see patrol cats, right? There's a reason why because they're sophisticated. But I think I've reached a set point in my life at my age where I'm starting to regress back to being a juvenile. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the fun part is all right. So we've established your dog is a stud, brings home the hardware. You know, the fun stuff is coming. Uh, so hey, but the, the other question I had though. Uh, in terms of training the dog, when you have a single purpose dog versus a dual purpose dog, do they just shove more training into the same five weeks or do you have to go to training longer to give it that extra discipline? Good question. Um, typically single purpose, your, your training won't be as long. Um, so, uh, it, it's stretched out now. I mean, some places like we're at the sheriff's office now, a dual purpose dog is 12 week class. And that's not enough personally in my, in my humble opinion. But, um, again, a lot of these agencies can't afford the time for the guys, to, you know, smaller agencies to be away and all that. But yeah, a single purpose dog would, would be much less time. Cause obviously it's just, it's one job. And, uh, there's, that brings you to the ever, ever prevalent debate of, uh, single purpose versus dual purpose. And, you know, that's where Christy and I butt heads sometimes, but that's all right. Uh, well, let's hey, talk about that. At least that's okay. a good person to butt heads with. Yeah. <laughs> but she have, she pretty much can hold her own, I would bet, though. So, But what's the discussion between you and Christy on single versus dual? I think for, for anybody on that, it's just it can be done. Uh, you, you, you pay, you know, whatever. It, it, and obviously a dual purpose costs more, right? Because it's twice the training and twice the stuff that – time that they're putting up front to, to train the dog, um, and single purpose, you know, only, only one, but it's, it's like the scales of justice, right? When you have a dual purpose dog, you're working on one and then something starts to slip on the other. Now you need to work on that. And, and so you're always balancing that, right. And depending on, uh, your dogs, which all dogs are like people, right? I mean, you got crazy ones, uh, <laughs> ones that are good at certain things. It just, uh, so it is a, it's a constant with a dual purpose dog that, and I'll tell you, even with, I mean, how much bomb stuff did I have back in 06? Now we got the dog right after nine 11, I mean, five years, but you know, there was some work with it, but that was why people really jumped in to buy bomb dogs back then was because of, because of nine 11. Um, but you, 
I didn't use that. Patrol was what I used mainly. So, you know, you're always chasing, trying to keep up that, that patrol. And what's more exciting, obviously looking for a bomb or going and catching a crook that's hiding or, you know, a, a, a fleeing felon, which that's. A, well, it depends if you find the bomb before it goes off, that would be pretty exciting. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, yeah, see, look, but it's got to be adrenaline. It's like, okay, we found a bomb. Let's go get a bad guy because they taste like chicken. Yeah, yeah, and they, you know they can think, and I mean it's a it's a uh, interesting game for sure. Um, but um, there's so my my theory is: look, you, you take a dog like the dog I have right now. She is strictly an explosive detection dog, and and I get her out of the car, and what does she know to do? Explosive detection, right? That's it. There's no and. You know, you talk to some trainer, you talk to three trainers, you're going to get three different answers, right? I mean, you're, you're, <laughs> nobody's ever going to agree. Eh, you do, but uh, you can take equipment, you know, with Black. If I put on a certain collar or something, he knew. I mean, I didn't have to tell him we were going to hunt a man, right? Or if I put this on, then it was it was bomb work, right? I mean, and there are these rituals. Some people believe in the ritual stuff. Some people don't. And that's okay. It worked, it worked with that dog. And again, it may not work with every dog. But uh, it, it, it just, to me, like LAPD... Single purpose dogs, right? They may have two dogs in one one uh, one shop, right? They may have a, a bloodhound for tracking, and then a, a patrol dog for for finding a man and dealing with him, right? Or they may have a narc dog, a lab in one side, and a and a, and a mal on on the other. That's that's uh, going to find man. So I, I just think it's clear. There's no confusion. It, it's easier, especially uh, especially for new handlers. Um, Cause that's a, when I train guys now, <laughs> I tell them, you remember when you came out of the police academy, you didn't have a flipping clue how to be a cop, right? Same thing coming out of dog school. When I got out of five weeks of dog school and they, they blessed me and said, Oh, go on your way and prosper. <laughs> Man, I didn't have a clue. <laughs> I ran into a bunch of problems with my first dog and I had no idea what to do. I just had to learn. And I had some guys around here that I kind of picked their brains and we worked on things and, and figured out the problems and, and made them work. But again, I, I kind of got off on a tangent with the, the single and dual. I just think it's easier when, when the dog understands its job and you have one job and that's it, you just go out and do it. Now it costs more, obviously you got two dogs, you got, so I, I understand as a, is it for a budget, you know, dual purpose makes sense, but you got to have somebody that's willing to put that time and that effort in. Yeah. Cause you talk about not only is it the initial training up front, but like you say, when you're working with your dog each week and keeping it uh, up to speed, you've got to train on both patrol and explosives. So your training time now pretty much doubles each week, right? If you want to keep it up to par. It is, it should be. And, uh, you know, there, there are na national standards for things, uh, that you kind of go by. Um, but again, I, it always falls back, uh, you know, we'll, when we have competitions or we judge things, I always watch guys. I love doing the, the obstacle course because we'd set some different things up, but I, I love to watch guys and their dogs. It's like a ballet to me. Um, and you can see the guys that put the time and the effort into to training and doing it right. Uh, it, it's pretty, right? Like, uh, And then you see the guys that are chucks, right, that just want the shirt and want to drive around and say they're in canine. And what did you call them? The chucks? chucks? Yeah, the chucks. Yeah. What are chucks? I mean, like ch short for Charles Chuck, just like a knucklehead. Yeah. Yeah. Knucklehead's a nice way to say it. Yeah. Just call it <laughs> dumbasses that should be working in another occupation, something like that. Right? Well, but 
but there's, you know, in every occupation, there's people like that. And unfortunately, when you're working with other guys, we had guys that would just, uh, had one guy thought, Hey, I get paid just to put on the uniform. It's like, well, thank you for blessing us then with your presence. It's like <laughs> some of us come here to work, you know, or you'd yeah, have people that would just ride it out. Yeah. They're like wannabes. It's just like, you know, some people want to be cops, but they just won't do it. And these guys want to be canines just to, like you said, wear the shirt and have a dog with them. Yeah. Or the poor man's canine, you just go down to the pound, rent out a German shepherd for the day and make it look like you're a, you know, a canine cop, right? Yeah. Oh, there's a security agency here in town that drives around with a, a car that says canine and whew, anyway. Well, they got yeah, a little chihuahua in there or something? No, they got, they have a, <laughs> what they have is a big liability riding around. If they even have a dog back there anymore, but yeah, they, uh, yeah, that's a, um, but the whole point is it's like being proficient with your weapons. It's like being proficient with any kind of skill you have. If you don't, if you're not working that, especially a dog, you know, on a daily, you know, weekly basis, um, not only do you lose your skills, the dog loses their skills and their ability, right? hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, I had, uh, I, I got to a scene with, with black one time and it was a barricaded subject in an apartment, third floor. And, uh, you know, basically he tells me, all right, we're going to open the door and you send your dog in. And I said, uh, no, you lost your mind. The guy's <laughs> armed, right? Like I go where my dog goes. If I go in there, the guy's going to point a gun at my dog and me, and I'm going to shoot him. Um, uh, I don't think they, they have things called SWAT teams for that. Right. Uh, which kind of is funny because we were down on the first floor now waiting if they needed a dog and the SWAT team came. And, uh, this was kind of a part-time team. It wasn't, uh, the County's team. Um, and they were going to go ahead and make entry. And, uh, I heard the pin come out of the flashbang and I heard a thud and I was again on the That's first floor. That's not good. And, uh, I saw some bounce real close to me and black. So, uh, that was, uh, one one on the introduction to distractionary devices with my dog. Uh, yeah, it went oh, off that's, that's about an oh shit 25, moment. 30 feet from us. Uh, luckily, uh, he didn't turn around and try to eat me. Um, and you know, it, the situation worked itself out for the, for the guys. Uh, I don't really know how he missed that window, but anyway, there oh, is that... always one, there is always <laughs> one. And let me tell you, this is why when I went through uh, basic training at Fort Leonard, Missouri, I was joined an RTC. So we all went through, joined the reserves, went to basic training. So when you're, when you're out on the grenade course, you've got your little foxhole dog, they build a, uh, basically a hole in the ground that if somebody dork drops a grenade, you kick it into that hole, it goes down there. And then you basically go over to the corner and you cover your ass. Cause then it directs the blast, you know, up through that little hole. It's about a two foot hole, you know, you kick it down there. So it's like a little tunnel, you kick it out. But we had guys too, that, um, pull the pin, go to throw it. <laughs> I remember one guy went to throw it. It's a door. How do you miss a door? He threw it. It bounced off the top of it, bounced into the, it was a two-story thing. You walk up the stairs, bounced into the front yard and went off and we're all going, son of a bitch. What the hell was that? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, exciting stories, right? Well, that's why they're called sight sound diversionary devices. Like you say, we don't say flashbangs. We say the kinder, gentler sight sound diversion. And they are, they, 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 uh, they do get your attention when they go off. But, uh, so we've, 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 uh, you've now completed, uh, level one training on, on responding to a uh, flashbang. So, but you know, but here, but the thing though, I'd be interested in is dogs hearings also are so sensitive and everything else. Did, did, did Black get any 
damage from that? Did you have to take it into the vet, get it checked out? Uh, there was no blood. I mean, he he didn't act like there was any damage. But, yeah, I mean, you, you do need to, uh, you know, when you're doing gunfire acclimation and that kind of thing with dogs normally, if your dog allows it, a lot of times they shake it out, but we'll try to put cotton in the ears and things like that to, to protect to protect the ears um if you can i mean obviously you want to do what you can to, pre- to prevent things uh from from happening to your partner so well let, let's talk now about black because this is this is the whole thing that gets this uh thing of canines for cops started so black was your first partner um let's talk about black for a little bit so uh, a czech shepherd now did you name it did they name it um how did you come up with the name he came with that name uh, on his passport um so, you know, usually there are a bunch of uh, drunk Europeans over in Europe that are naming these dogs. I don't mean that, uh, you know, uh, anybody listening in Europe, sorry, I, you know. Oh, come on. It's but, just cops talking yeah. about it. But that's, you listen to some of these things like Gerfer Gerfer. Yeah. Well, who the yeah. hell named the dog it, that? But they, it's either a Rico <laughs> or a Black or, a, I mean, they come with general, generally the same names. And they told me, you know, hey, you can change the name if you want. But, I mean, he was 18 months old and, uh they're just, I had enough to deal with. I, I couldn't, I was trying to speak Czech and, and, you know, I was doing that way wrong. That was the next question too, because if you got a German dog or a Czech dog, uh, <laughs> that's like yeah. speaking Spanish with a West Virginia accent. Yeah. It, it, it depends. Right, you have to depend on where they come from and, and, and how they've been, uh, trained. Yeah. You're going to, uh, you know, it's not people go, Oh my gosh, you speak, you know, I speak, three or four different languages. Oh, really? Yeah. Like five words. I mean, <laughs> so uh, sit down. But the five words I speak will either bite your ass you know, or stay or kill, you know? So you've got, so you got black, so you had to learn some check. Um, I did. And well, that, that's the interesting part too, because you're like, you say just limited commands. Uh, now let's now with, with black, I know that when we talked um, with uh, uh, Danny Tuman, right? Randy, Randy, I mean, Randy Tuman, um, he talked about when he had his mouth, he, he has it in a cage now because his daughter was going across the the living room and the dog just saw motion and bitter basically. Um, I mean, but mouths are, uh, you know, high maintenance, they're high energy. So, um, what, how did you handle Bleck? What was Bleck? Was Bleck in your house, part of the family? Did you keep him in a cage as a worker? I mean, how did that work? In the beginning, um, he was in the house only because, the department hadn't got me a kennel yet. <laughs> and, uh, I remember I had to go to the, I think I went to Walmart or something. Cause I had to buy something. And I told my wife, Hey, I'm going to put him in the tub in the bathroom. Just close the door. I'll be right back. Cause Walmart wasn't far. And she called me, said he was going to, you know, the, the door was about to come down and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, different. Right. And, and, and again, you're introducing him, you're taking him from something he's used to, and now you've brought him into to me. And every time you change something with a dog, you have to expect uh, a step backwards, okay, uh, in training or whatever. Just just expect you're going to take one or two steps backwards. Um, you know, so I, I came from, from Indiana with him, spent that time. Now I come back here to a new environment. Uh, my daughter hadn't seen me, uh, and she ran and jumped up into my arms, and he thought, oh, well, I need to deal with that. Uh, you know, and luckily, Whoa. yeah, I mean, I turned and, you know, fooled him and, and whatever, but he, uh, he lived in the house until I could get a kennel. Now, years later, my wife told me I was right. I don't think she'll ever admit to that again. Uh, 
he was asleep actually on on the floor in the living room uh because he was still inside before i got the kennel and uh it, it doesn't matter what dog right you i mean you can say it's a police dog or anything else the dog's sleeping and uh she got up and was straddling kind of one foot over the other and uh woke him up and you know dogs get woken up it's fight or flight right and he had nowhere to go because she was straddling him so he came up ready to chomp on her and uh you know i grabbed him got his choke chain and got it under control but uh that was probably not the best thing that could have happened uh, <laughs> in the beginning of this thing. Uh, but years later, she had a friend's dog that had been around her friend for so many years, and she watched the dog asleep at her friend's house. And her friend moved. The dog woke up and did the same thing. And she's like, you know what? You were right. And I was like, oh. You know, it, it I think I shall make a recording of this and send it to your wife in a little brown envelope saying, here's what your husband just said about you on a national <laughs> podcast. That's right. And the fact that you said he was right. Yeah. I don't know if it re- those words actually came out of her mouth, but uh, I'm going <laughs> to take guess you it. Were a r- 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 I'm going to take it that. Yeah, it was, it was something to that effect. But uh, Close enough for government works. So um, you're doing a lot of work now with Blex. So how many out of a average out of a shift, you know, how many times would you actually have an incident where you needed to take black, uh, you know, deploy black? Man, that's hard to, it, it came in waves. But just maybe even like a month. I mean, it's like, you know, five times a month, six times a month, you know, something like that. Probably five would be a good average. Sometimes we wouldn't have anything. And then sometimes we'd just be busy at all get out. Um, so, um, yeah, it, a lot of it is, you know, guys complain about, oh man, there's no work. I'm like, well, go, go make the work, right? Like you can't just sit around and wait for people to make work for you. I have a new dog. I want him to work. I want him to get work. Cause that's how you learn. That's how I learned to be a cop. I went and found it. Right. Same thing with dog handling. You got to go find the work. And so I'd check by with guys on traffic stops. I'd go try to get somebody to, you know, get in a pursuit. I mean, whatever you, you're trying to get work for the dog. Right. I mean, that's your job. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's being proactive versus reactive. Yeah. And, uh, it's hard nowadays to do, uh, but, uh, you know, it can still be done, but yeah, that's, you know, you're looking for work, but yeah, probably five, I guess a good average would be five times a month, depending, depending. Okay. So, um, you've been working with him now for five years. Let's talk, let's start working up to what happened then to Black, because th- again, like we said, this is the whole reason Christy got involved because it made the news. So let's start talking about that day. You know, what was going on? W- let's talk about the call and, you know, work into it. We were, uh, at the time we, we have these task forces. Um, so certain areas would, would be hopping with, with crime or whatever. So they would, they would get a contingent of us. We could get overtime or whatever. And, and, uh, we go saturate these areas, basically no tolerance. And, uh, we were preparing at a briefing for one of those. And, uh, out in the East district, I could hear, uh, over the radio, um, guys had, had one or two on the ground running. And I, I made a comment to one of the other handlers on, I said, Oh man, they're going to fuck this up. Uh, cause they were, they were just notorious for at the time for just not getting good perimeters set up. Right. And, uh, not nothing against it takes a team right i mean i can have the best tracking dog in the world uh but it takes a team and you got to contain whatever you're looking for and uh you know so anyway this this dropped and we were uh we were a good 
clip away. Um, but, uh, he and I left that, uh, that deal and started heading over there and, uh, got, got to this neighborhood and, uh, there was a, a big wooded area on the backside of these homes. Um, and I learned later there was a, a, a tall eight foot, uh, like chain link fence with barbed wire, uh, that would, uh, border to, uh, a golf course. And, uh, so we got there, great perimeter. <laughs> I mean, you know, I got to give it to the guys. Uh, communication was good. I, you know, what kind of crime was this dude wanted for that? You're going to go after there it was burglary habitation. Uh, they were getting, they were getting ate up with the burglaries in this neighborhood and in that area. And, uh, our guys just happened to get there quick enough, caught the uh, getaway driver and, and then the other two ran. And let's, let's, let's set this up too. So when you get prepared to go after somebody, how do you prepare the dog to do it? Because did they just go out? I'm asking you a question because, uh, just as somebody might, who doesn't know, like, do you just go out and you just start tracking or do you go back to the car? I mean, help us set up. How do you set up your dog to be able to do this track? Uh, this one, it just depends, uh, on what your situation is. Right. And that's, how fluid it is and what's going yeah, on. Which, what, what information do you have? Uh, have have they contaminated the scene, right? Guys think we're just a bunch of pricks because we go, man, what the hell? Don't walk here. You're right. But every person that walks across something I need, now I have to negate that, right? And if you can tell me, hey, I ran 20 yards and stopped right there and then that was it, great. Now I know if we continue after that point, okay, that's who I'm looking for, right? Or probably. Right. Uh, and what do they key in on too? Because I've heard different. I'm not an expert in this by any means, but you hear sometimes like there's the smell of fear. Basically, there's the scent of fear or sweat. What is it the dogs are actually keying in on that helps them do that? Once you get close, uh, it's probably probably is that fear and and that person's scent that they've been tracking. You know, it's a, it's more of a it's more of a trailing than a tracking. I mean, if you want to talk, you know, there folks can get into the differences between tracking and trailing. But you know, as people run, you're crossing vegetation. There's you know, there's chlorophyll that's released, all that kind of stuff. So the dogs, you know, kind of following that kind of thing. Uh, but depending, you may take him to a car that the crook was last in, and have him smell that driver's seat area, right? Because obviously, if a crook gets you know, is in a pursuit and bails out, there's going to be some adrenaline flowing. So a lot more follicles and things are going to be falling off that human than say someone who was just nice, relaxed, sitting here talking on a podcast. Right. So that's why Murph doesn't run from the cops. He can't afford to lose many more follicles. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. So in, in this situation, uh, the other handler that was there already had his dog out ready and uh, had a cover guy. And, uh, I had been getting Intel just kind of, uh, up to date briefing on what they had and, uh, the point where they last saw the guys, which was right at the corner of a fence, uh, going into this wooded area. So I, I said, Hey, look, I'm, I'm gonna get black ready. Why don't you go in, try to pick up a track where they were. And I'm going to scoot North, uh, to that fence line where the golf course is. And I'll work it from the North and, uh, you work it from the south. I think the wind was coming out of the south, so it it uh, it didn't make sense if you're trying to uh, like do a scout uh, or an area search. Um, it wasn't the most advantageous position for for that. What's kind of the quick? 
yeah, tell us real quickly what's the difference because you have all these terms of art too, and we don't want it to we don't want to get too in depth. But it's like I know you've got different types of leashes you use, I guess, depending on what you're doing. But what's the difference between a scout, you know, and a search, like you were saying? Well, if you're just scouting, it, it, you you could go on the the downwind side where the wind's blowing, maybe through through the edge of this wood line, and if you're on that downwind side, you may pick up um, the crook scent that's that's in those woods, uh, as opposed to where I, I suggested the guy go uh actually being on the track you know i guess i don't want to say it's a lazy way but it's kind of the lazy way right i'd much rather have a dog track it, it, instinctually and again i don't want to get way off but instinctually you know let's say a, a wolf or something in the wild is out looking for food and he's on the track of whatever animal it is he's going to eat well at some point the wind changes and he catches the scent of that animal well, he could stay another two miles on that track, but he's going to burn a lot of energy. It makes more sense to just cut across because he just winded it and go get it and cut that, you know, half mile out or whatever it is. Right. So it's just, an, it's a natural instinct that you, you, I mean, all these things that we're using for these dogs are, are natural instincts that we're manipulating. Right. Um, so. Now you, you'd also mentioned that the, the first dog and his handler had a cover. Can you explain to our listeners what you mean by that? Yeah. Cover, cover officer, when you're working a dog, uh, you really, you can't, you got to watch the dog. You got to look for those changes in behavior. Um, and, and they're just things you gotta, you gotta worry about. You can't worry about crooks that are wanting to kill you. Uh, cause, cause they will. Um, and, and you really can't work a gun and don't ask me how I know that. Uh, <laughs> while you're while you're working a dog, uh, it might and be again, the next time we have you on the show, huh? Yeah, uh, but oh no, okay, hold on, just a minute. Okay, you don't have to go into it, but are you saying that you had a premature discharge at some point? No, it was it was negligent. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> premature. It it was negligent. <laughs> uh, you know, luckily I've got good muzzle discipline, and you know we can you know. You can go into the whole thing. Well, we'll, yeah. save, we'll, save, we'll save that. I might edit that in later, depending upon how you treat me for the rest of the podcast, whether or not you look down at my, <laughs> your nose at me because I was a trooper or not. I own it. I own it. It's, you know, I, I teach guys, man. That's how, you, that's how you learn from experiences, right? As long as you don't do it again. That's exactly right. Exactly well, right. I, I took out a radio in a patrol car one time. We'll talk about that later. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> true confessions here. I, I've talked about this before, but anyway, back to our regularly scheduled podcast. So uh, that's what the so can continue on with cover. Yeah, cover guys is is basically covering your ass, making sure uh, if this guy's lying in wait. You know, unfortunately, we've had a lot of handlers look back in Florida. Back when I was just before I got out of dog school, there was a, a deputy uh, at the sheriff's office in Florida. Actually, a guy I was going through the class with knew the guy, but uh, he was ambushed uh, by a guy oh. lying in wait. And, uh, so, um, yeah, you got to pay attention to the dog. So you, you really should have a cover guy and, and more times than not, again, this day I didn't have one and that's not good. And I know guys that do it today still, and I don't recommend it. You know, it's that, it's that adrenaline that want to go get them and, you know, it just, it can turn out bad. Well, but explain that a little bit more too, because when you're working the dog, you are really focused on working the dog, right? In other words, that's the reason why you have a cover officer, because if you're trying to scan for everything else and trying to work the dog, your attention is divided, right? It, it, you, you'll miss a clue or a, a tell that the dog has, right? That's it. It's a huge, I mean, it, just 
very, very slight. Depending on the dog, it could be a slight. Uh, well, it's got to be mentally exhausting. I mean, you you get fatigued mentally just even trying to watch the dog when you're in an active track, right? Yeah, you you really got to. I mean, you, you try to trust the, you know, the cut. That's why when you certain people, I would pick to cover me, right? Like I trusted, uh, you know, just like nowadays when I I only work a bomb dog, but you know, I go run tracks with these guys work patrol dogs because, um, you know. I try to reassure him. Hey, I got, I got you, bud. We're, you know, you you concentrate on what you need to concentrate on, and I and I'll take care of the rest. Uh, cool, very cool. But um, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 important. But those it depending they're a whole it get down a rabbit hole. But depending on the wind speed, there are all kinds of things that you might just get a. I mean, just a blink of a change of behavior that you should pay attention to. And if you're having to worry about a lot of other things, you may not see it. You know, and I can't imagine somebody being a better cover officer than another canine officer, because you know what he's got to concentrate on and you know what you need to concentrate on. You can, and you may actually, even though you're, you should be watching all around, you might see a change in the dog, right? Uh, the last crook that we caught, well, I was running cover for a guy and I implore, I kept imploring people, Hey man, we searched here, we searched here. And I said, I know I'm just a bomb dog handler, but we need to go search over here. And we finally got down there and searched and guess where the crook was. Oh, uh, behold. But, uh, seeing the, I mean, it's beautiful. Just watching it. Like, like I said, watching guys and their dogs work. I just seeing that dog, it, 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 there's no mistake when, when it gets into odor, whatever that odor is, whether it's the fear, whatever, there is no mistake. Like people go, how do you know? You just know it, it's, it's obvious. It's called it's called experience. <clears throat> yeah, even even a even a layman, you 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 could see it a lot of times. These, I mean, the, the dog gets excited because that's now it's it's a game. All of this stuff to dogs, no matter what we're doing, is a game. It has to be, and if it's not fun, they don't want to do it. That ultimately, that's what it is. Uh, what was the reward for Black? Was he a tug or a ball or what? What kind of thing did you use for him? For uh, explosive for the detection work, it was a tennis ball, and uh, you know, I mean. If he ended up catching a man, depending on, you know, if they gave up or not, he he would bite them or not bite them. Uh, you know, they get frustrated. And that was reward enough for a dog, right? Yeah. It, uh, they get frustrated. You know, I had him turn around and latch onto me a couple times, not out of anger, but out of frustration. And you got to understand that. It, we were at a motel making announcements and we didn't know which room the, the crook went in so i had like eight or 12 doors that we were just you know you got to go down you got to make announcements to each room right uh and about the seventh door he's like turned around and grabbed onto my thigh <laughs> like come on dad let me in right uh and you know didn't fault him it wasn't it wasn't out of just you know hey let me go i want to do my job so if if he uh if the frustration was built up or not i might put on a sleeve or get somebody to put on a sleeve or something give him a give him a a, a, a you know, a session on that. Work out his aggression in a sense, <laughs> yeah. right? Work it out a little yeah. bit. And, uh, or you get a, uh, turkey necks. The vet hated it, but I'd give him raw turkey necks. That was a, that was his reward. When he uh, latched on your thigh, did he break skin? Uh, there was, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't deep punctures. It was, you know, you could see, you could tell what it was, but no, it wasn't that bad. I've, I've, I've had a whole lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> turkey <Damn>. necks. <laughs> Oh, you know, the worst part about that, though, is just how smelly they get carrying them around. Ooh. No, 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 no. It, they're frozen. You give it to them. It's gone in less than five minutes. Cleans their teeth is good. I mean, you know, the vets, oh, that's horrible. No, it was good. It was good for them, actually, I think. 
pass, hard pass, not for me, <laughs> no turkey next. <laughs> but all right, so but back back to that story. So um, you've got Bleck out there. It, give us a clue to what what time of day, what time of night, what's the weather like? It was three days before Christmas. Um, it was it wasn't super cold. It was cool. Uh, that wooded area was marshy. There was a lot of water on the ground. Um, pretty steady wind. Does that help, or when you have something like that, does that help, or does that hurt with the scent? Water on the grounds, it, you know, dependent. It can it can take away from it. You just got to know what you're doing, right? Um, but uh, like I say, yeah, the other guy put in, <clears throat> and uh, I said when I got ready, I would go to the north side, working that downwind side, and just kind of parallel with him. And if they were in those woods, we would have them in between us, right? <clears throat> so, and what time of night day was this? You said was it night? Oh, I'm sorry. It was it was early evening. It was it wasn't dark yet. It was uh, you know maybe an hour or two before dark, maybe three four o'clock, five o'clock. So we started working. I didn't quite go to the fence line. I saw uh, kind of a trail, a deer trail or something going into these woods. And down here we have what's called yopon, which is it's a it's a brush that and a lot of vines, bramble vines and things like that. Um, so this a lot this of area, stuff. yeah. Uh, so this was pretty thick with that, but I, so I tried to go in, in an area that already kind of had, so I was just a little shy of the fence line, actually, maybe 10 or 20 yards and started and he kind of worked in and had a change in behavior and winded something through his head to the left. So he started popping. I was working him off leash when I got to the woods because trying to work a long line and I, you know, I've had a lot of guys and they're not armchair quarterbacking, but they, you know, they're, they're talking about this or that or whatever uh and to try to work a long line in that those woods it just it it sucks you're you're tangled up you're trying to uh, unfuck yourself more than you're able to actually search so mm -hmm. and when you say long line how long is a long line back then it was a 30 foot leash um and you'd maybe shorten it or whatever uh for me now a long line is nine foot <laughs> um but i I had a an electronic collar uh, on him, and would you utilize that? And so I, I unhooked him. What in. would the electronic collar do if you buzz it? He would return to you. Was that the signal? Or what was the purpose of it? Hopefully, it was it was more for 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 a correction or or just like a light tap on a leash would be. Uh, and that goes into lessons learned, right? The what you just said, buzzing and returning, right? Uh, unfortunately, I had to learn this way, but you, you learn, right? Uh, but so I had him off leash and he was kind of bounding through some of the, the, uh, bramble and such. And I was trying to keep up, saw that he, uh, winded something, head whipped and started moving that way. So when I was able to get towards where he was going, I looked over and I could see it was the, ha the other handler and his dog that he had winded. So, all right, I got on the radio, communicated, Hey, he just winded you. We're going to keep working. So now we're, Mm, probably 40, 50 yards from that fence line, from that northern uh, most point on that uh, perimeter. About this time, uh, there had been a news helicopter off in the distance, um, way out. Usually they'll sit out and use their telephoto lens, I guess. But for whatever reason, uh, he flew right over the woods we were in and was low enough that I mean, literally, I could see the rivets on the bottom of that helicopter. 
Um, and the rotor wash, again, you live and learn. I was about to say that the rotor wash, it just disperses the scent, doesn't it? It blows it everywhere. It can be good and bad, right? Like sometimes I'll ask a bird, hey, can you come in here and make a low pass and do, right? Like you can use it to your advantage. And this may have been why Black winded something, right? Because of that. I don't know. Uh, you know, again, this was a first dog and you, you, you learn as you go. But uh, later on, uh, you know, I learned, hey, that you can do that and use that rotor wash to, to help you. Uh, and that may, again, have been what what brought that that odor to him. But uh, he took off again and uh, I couldn't keep up with him again and was trying to keep up. And it was getting darker and uh, couldn't find him and was calling him and uh getting on the radio with the dispatcher telling him to call the news agency to get the helicopter out of there and uh and then uh, i couldn't couldn't hear him you know i was being quiet trying to trying to listen was he barking as he was running or i mean how no, other than visually how were you tracking him does do they bark when they do that or do they stay quiet no once he got out of my sight he was he was quiet i mean he he didn't he didn't make a, a bunch of noise. I mean, sometimes maybe on a building search, they may <coughs> alert by barking. Uh, and uh, that's a whole nother thing. I don't, I don't always like that, but um, yeah, no, he, he would have just done what he was doing, but I, I stopped and listened, trying to hear anything and couldn't. Uh, so I got on the radio, told the perimeter units, you know, Hey guys, you see him, open your back door and throw him in. Everybody knew he was friendly. I mean, you know, to them, he, he's not, he was not a, uh, out of control dog by any means. Um, and you know, so we stopped looking for crooks and started looking for my dog. And, uh, I just started a grid pattern and, uh, it was dark by now. And, uh, a little while later, my Sergeant came up to me and he had, had his leash, uh, cause he had the six foot just dangling and, uh, Give me a hug. Damn. Did you know, did you, did you know before that or was that, no. or that told me right there. Did you have a feeling he was just still off tracking or what did you think yeah, up until I, that point? I had no, you know, wish for the best, right? Uh, you thought he's still working? Yeah, something. So, uh, so he walked me back and, uh, he was laying there on a fence line dead. So. Were the suspects anywhere around? No. Uh, they were gone. Uh, he had some blood in his mouth, so I knew he, he got a hold of somebody. And uh, Did they uh, – uh, gosh, uh, you know – Brother, we're with you here. We're sorry for what this happened in your career, oh, but yeah. I can't imagine. This, this is the same. This is you know, it's the same as a human partner being killed in the line of duty. Yeah, uh, it's horrific. No, it sucks for sure. Uh, but the uh, I I started to carry him out of the woods <clears throat> after I had to wait. They had to bring a DNA swab, <clears throat> swabbed his mouth. Mm-hmm for the suspect's, uh, DNA. And, uh, I tripped and <clears throat> tripped and fell on my face and all that water. And I think it was my sergeant at the time tried to pick him up and help. And I, I yelled at him, said, no, I got it. Yeah. But, uh, 
then I had to take him, had to go to a fire station, get a ice chest full of ice, put him in that ice chest and take him to A&M for necropsy. So, but uh, a bunch of, bunch of other canine units from the county showed up and uh, they began looking for these guys. So. Oh, I bet though. I, I can't imagine how top priority that was for every canine officer in Texas at the time. It was. They, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and it's good I didn't stay there and it's good I, I didn't go looking for them. Uh, but they found the, there were, there were two, they were brothers. One was a juvenile. The other one had just turned <clears throat> 17, which is, you know, you're an adult in Texas at 17 for your, for your criminal actions. Uh, and, uh, they found the younger brother and I don't remember how, but they did, uh, you know, we had Gulf coast violent offenders out there, you know, the marshal service, bunch of guys looking. And, uh, and he finally, I guess he said that the dog found him and his brother was about to go over that fence and, uh, he started yelling, but it was winter. So they had on a, a heavy coat. And, uh, so, you know, that's going to help you out a little bit, uh, with a dog on you. And the brother came up behind him and, uh, started choking him, got him off, told him to get out of there. And when he, the little brother said, when he met up with him, he just told him that you don't have to worry about that dog anymore, basically. So, uh, that was that. Let's talk real quick about the protections for, um, police canines in Texas. Uh, at that time, in 2005, what what were the laws about um, police canines? Because in some areas, they're considered the, the equivalent of a sworn police officer. Was there anything statu- from a statutory standpoint you could do to these guys? Uh, no, nah, I don't believe at the time there was on the books, really. Um, it was not an equal or, or anything for a service animal. But shortly after it changed. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was nothing. And... and <laughs> And honestly, it was, you know, be frank, it was shit what the guy got for, for that. But, well, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Um, but no, hold on before we talk about that. Let's talk about um, Black. So you'd had him for about that time, about what five years? Three. Three, yeah. three years. Mm-hmm. Yep. And look, the folks can't see this on video. We can. And this is why this is always one of those tough things, because we've talked to people who have lost their partners, who, you know, who have uh, had some terrible things happen. And when you see the emotion, you know, the emotion is real. I mean, even to this day, I mean, this was 15 years ago, right? Yeah. 16, 17 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how, I mean, you, you got, he was basically like your partner, right? You were with him every single day. More than with my family. Yeah. You know, we worked evening shift, which is a, a family killer, uh, two to 10. And then we were on call 24 hours a day. So, you know, you get, you get called out or whatever. Yeah. I spent a lot of time with him, you know, a lot of, a lot of bonding. It's it's just heart wrenching. I mean, it, and all these years later, it's heart wrenching for us to watch what you're going through. The Oh, it used to be a lot worse. Believe me. Uh, fortunately I had a, I had a chief at the time that Volant told me to go to a PCIS post-critical incident seminar because it i've i had a about three years that were real bumpy <laughs> in my career so uh I, I went to that and and realized it or you know i didn't at the time but i didn't realize how much this incident affected me and uh that helped uh something called emdr uh which 
is something that uh, I guess started back uh, during for Vietnam veterans, but um, they basically reprogram your brain. And uh, it used to be when I'd get to the part about my sergeant coming up with a leash, I'd I'd lose it and I couldn't even talk. So uh, it's gotten better with time. Yeah, I think they've got some techniques, too, called cognitive-based therapy, things like that, that help you, like you say, when a triggering event comes up, you learn how to deal with it and kind of deflect the trigger. But even now, even now, right now, I mean, this is the tough part. We don't, we love doing these podcasts, but we don't love when we have to go through this. But it's so important people hear the story. And again, it's the it's the emotion. I mean, a lot of people out there may think cops are heartless. They don't care, you know. But when you look at, but when you, even an animal, when you think about how much time and effort you put into that relationship, like say, did you pick the dog or did he pick you? I mean, regardless, you guys became a unit. I mean, you guys, he, you were no, you knew what your dog was thinking sometimes before he did. And the same thing with you. He understood oh, yeah. uh, about your, uh, what, you know, I'm trying to be sensitive about how to ask this, but let, let's just talk about when to the, so you did the necros, uh, necropsy. Mm-hmm. The, Necropsy. I was, I was thinking necrostopy, but that's a different kind of discipline. But necropsy, which is the, basically an autopsy for an animal. Um, so that's what they did. The brother just got up behind it and just choked, choked Bluck to death, right? It was kind of inconclusive, but that's, uh, I think, ultimately. You know, there there may have been that along with a heart attack. It, it was just there, there was no – they couldn't give me a definitive answer. So – and when you say the guys got shit for what they did, what what was the ultimate outcome of the case? I was getting my my replacement dog, and uh, the ADA that was assigned to the case said she'd done all this research and called all these people, and she couldn't find anything that was similar. So no law in the books, but she was going to offer him two years for the burglary habitation. Uh, which as a adult, that was his first charge. So in Harris County, first charge for burglary of habitation, two years, that's, <laughs> you can't, I mean, that, that was hard at that time to get more than that for anybody, right? So, I mean, she can only do what she can do, right? I mean, I can't, I can't hate her for trying to do her job. I mean, what, you know, what do you do, right? It's. Well, go back to where your chief told you, Volan told you to go to this seminar. What, what, how long afterwards uh, that Bleck was killed did you go to the seminar? Oh, that was nine or ten years, I guess. Nine, ten. Wow. Six years. Six years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what had happened during that time to where he finally volunteered you to go? I mean, you said you went through some rough patches. You know, my second dog ended up being crazy, <laughs> literally. Uh, you know, he turned – on he just he was crazy dog and the the final straw was doing a uh a, a demonstration one night why they had me going there to a halloween party with this dog again i do what i'm told but uh he he turned and uh he had dogs pattern he realized stuff but he he uh he would come up at me and i would basically hang him up and almost choke him out but I'd give him his air back right before he was about to pass out. Uh, well, he figured that out and knew exactly what was going to happen next. And as soon as I gave him that air back, he started lighting me up both sides of my, you know, my hands, my arms, and, uh, was about to get me in the face when I hung him up again. And, uh, everybody's screaming in there, all these kids, Oh my gosh, poor dog. And he's biting through the lead, the Nalgene lead that he's on. 
And luckily there was a deputy there whose neighborhood it was. And he's like, uh, what do you want me to do? And he pulled out his ass and I'm like, hit him. And, uh, the dog's almost through the leash. And what people don't understand is if that dog got through that leash, I would have had zero control. And, you know, I wanted to shoot him. Honestly, I, I mean, that's how, but you got all those kids there. Yeah. So, you know, dear sir, <laughs> you know, so I didn't want to do that. Uh, so he, he, he taps him on the head with his ass and I, I yelled out, hit the motherfucker. <laughs> like, so he cranked on this dog <laughs> with everything he had. And that dog shook his head and just looked at him like, that's all you got. And, uh, fortunately, shortly after, you know, he passed out, I choked him out and I started dragging him outside. You know, people didn't see, I had long sleeves on at the time it was Halloween, but you know, there was a bunch of blood, uh, coming out of me. I, you know, I ended up going to the hospital, getting stitched up, but, uh, yeah, so that, that dog was crazy and, uh, you know, uh, ended up why they kept it. They did gave it to a handler never handled the dog before. Uh, you know, I just, wow. Told, Talk about setting somebody up for failure. I just told him, Hey, be ready, be ready, be ready, <laughs> be ready. <laughs> and he called me one day out of breath. <gasps> oh my God. I said, Oh, it must've happened. Right. That motherfucker's crazy. Yes. Yes, he is. Same thing, right? So, uh, should have figured that out when they named the dog Loco, right? Yeah. It was, but, uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So that, that was, you know, that was bump, I guess, number two. And then, uh, I was involved, I guess, after 2012, I got involved in a shooting, uh, a gunfight out, out in the middle of the road. And, uh, so that, uh, I guess that'd be bump number three. So I guess after all that, I guess, you know, yeah, there were, you know, I had good people in my supervision, you know, like say that sergeant that, that would stick up for me doing investigations and things back when I was in contracts was over investigations. Cause we did have some investigative units and, uh, he said, Hey, why don't you, you know, take a break, come over here. And, and, uh, so he got me over there doing some things and, and, uh, and shortly after that, I think the chief, chief said, Hey, you're going to go to this thing. So, so yeah, good, good idea. Good. Well, look, we just had, uh, by the way, Murph, I forgot to tell you over the weekend while I was having my 35th wedding anniversary, Chris Bayless called and we just had Chris Bayless on. He was an ATF agent and uh, long-term undercover. And that's what he said, Murph. He said he got, he got so many calls from people, especially when he was talking about the PTSD and dealing with the PhD from IACP, a lot of acronyms there, but the International Association of Chiefs of Police actually had guys call him that he hadn't talked to in years saying, hey, what's the name of that PhD? He hooked up a couple more people with getting some help that they need. And, and Ted, you know, the thing is, there was a time um, where cops didn't talk about this stuff. You were said, hey, you just suck it up, you know, just man up, you know, you you didn't talk about suicide. You didn't talk about depression because that meant you were weak. Chief you said, know. You, you, you know, that was the chief. Hey, go get a bottle of whiskey, right? So, uh, yeah. Bad advice. Bad oh, yeah, advice. yeah. No, I mean, that, that's not what he was telling me. But that back in the day, that's what, what that's they what did. That's what right? they would have told you. Yeah, and there's Just nothing. Just go tie one on and come back in the morning and we're going to get back to work. You can't unsee. You can't unsee the things we've seen. Unfortunately. Well, look, my dad was a World War II and a Vietnam vet. And let me tell you, uh, I can tell you from personal experience, you don't unsee stuff. And I know 
I never knew what he saw, but I knew from being in World War II and from being in Vietnam, it was bad shit. And it yeah. affects you. I it mean, does. And, the, and the folks who don't get help for it are the ones that usually uh, end up taking their own life. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it's not, not bad to ask for help, for sure. Well, let's, let's talk about um, how you ended up meeting this force of nature called Christy Schiller. <laughs> because... Uh, Again, she's one of these people. She said, you got to have a pretty strong husband when you've got 300 cops on speed dial. And you're also on the board for Canines for Cops. So when did the, when did your first contact with Christy Schiller happen? Uh, I got the crazy dog <laughs> and I was back from school with him. And um, I walked into the patrol office and one of the sergeants in there said, hey, I just put a message in your box. Some canine cop thing or something called you. I was like, okay. And how long after uh, Black was that? Six, eight months, maybe, maybe a year. Uh, it kind of clouds together, but um, I, ch- I checked the message and it just said, call this lady, you know, at this number. And uh, at the time it was the executive director or whatever who had been, who st- started with Christy. And, and uh, I called her and she was so excited. And I was like, all righty. <laughs> I mean, I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you still got it there, stud. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like uh, I don't know what you're excited about, but okay. And uh, oh my gosh, no, you don't understand. This is, you know, it was started. She started this because of you and your dog. And uh, oh, okay, great. Uh, sure, it wasn't the voice like, "Hello, this is Deputy Ted. Can I help yeah. you?" <laughs> no, it wasn't that for sure. Uh, <laughs> Allow me to introduce myself. <laughs> that's right. Let me introduce you to my dog. If you would take my dog from me, I'll take the next dog. But- that's right. Uh, so I called her, she, she said that, uh, you know, there was this lady, Christy Schiller, who started a nonprofit and, you know, basically your story was the reason why, and you're the reason why, and she wants to meet you. I said, mm, okay. So, now, so what did you think at that point? Did you think, do I have another crazy, I had just got rid of a crazy dog. I don't want a crazy person. I mean, what was going through <laughs> your mind? And you know, I'm married. There. You always wonder, right? Everybody wants to give you that dog. Oh, I have this dog. It's he's vicious, you know those. So I, you know, you take that with a grain of salt, right? All of it. And uh, obviously, I I try to be a good cop, and I did a lot of research, but I couldn't find a whole lot out. Uh, <clears throat> so a meeting was set up. Uh, went and met her at at her house, and uh, I was like, in the beginning, kind of like, hmm, is this for real? Like. Cause I mean, she, she's, she's very ADD, uh, as I, we know (laughs) we did the interview with her. We know. Yeah. I'd love her. Um, but I mean, just very animated and just, I mean, she, you know, she told me how every, you know, this was going to be just, and, and I listened and, you know, said she wanted me to be a part of it and all that, you know, would I be willing to, and I didn't really know exactly what she had in mind, but I said, sure. Yeah. I, you know, I'd, I'd been contacted by, uh, by a sergeant in another agency in Harris County that, uh, ran their canine unit. And, uh, he was buddies with another guy who was writing a book on line of duty deaths for dogs. And he asked if, if I would meet with them and kind of do a walkthrough on what had happened with black. And, uh, I always wanted to, I wanted something good to come from, from that incident. Right. I mean, just like when I teach youth force classes or something like that, you, you know, you show these videos of guys giving their lives and you can't let that go to waste. Right. I mean, that's, that's important. And so, uh, you can't 
let that death be in vain. You got to learn from that. Right. So I just wanted some handler to learn, you know, from my mistakes and, and not make them again. So that, that was really all I was looking for. But then, you know, when she reached out and said she wanted to do this, I was like, Oh, I don't know how this is going to work, but you know, I'm willing to support your help you in any way I can. Cause again, I just, you know, I didn't want my, <laughs> my partner's death to be in vain. So you say she's ADD, but man, she has a huge heart. The fact that she stepped up and just addressed this on something she saw off a of television. I mean, what a sweet lady. She and, and, uh, Mr. Schiller both are just, John, they're, they're good people. They do have big hearts. Uh, they do for sure. And this comes from a lady who thought dogs at the most might cost a thousand dollars a dog. <laughs> that was her initial. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, you're talking ten, twelve thousand dollars easy. You know, for a dual purpose dog. So, uh, you know, I, before we talked to her, I had no idea they were that expensive. The ones, the one I'm working now, they were running, were running about 15. They're probably more now. <clears throat> so, yeah. And they're not, and obviously they're not cheap and they are worth, you know, all the money that goes into them as long as you've got good handlers. On the other side, you just can't get a dog and then get a crappy handler because then you never get the uh, value out of the dog that you want. So, but let's let's talk about meeting with Christy and John at that point. When when did it be, when did you kind of cross that threshold of gay? Okay, they're serious. Did you just think you were meeting with some rich people who are doing crazy stuff with money and going, "Hey, I'm just going to be another trinket or a toy in terms of what they're doing?" Yeah, I hate to say that, but yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, we're you, all the I same. Mean, you, you just don't know, right? And uh, the first five dogs, and then, but you know, Christy's a sponge, right? Like she really she'll listen. She wants to learn, you know, does she always listen? No, but that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong. You, sh- you don't want anybody that's always going to listen, but, uh, she listens to, to, to your opinions. You know, I think that's one reason she has, you know, myself and some other guys on the board that, that have the experience we have, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, she didn't know anything about dog vendors when, when this all started and, uh, you know, we took her to her first dog vendor and she was like, holy cow, this is, you know, like <clears throat> the Walmart for dogs <clears throat> or the Saks Fifth Avenue for dogs, I guess. <laughs> that kind of, that kind of represents the socioeconomic difference here, right? Yeah. Um, but it opened her eyes. Right. And so every time, you know, she's just always willing to learn. Right. And, uh, just trying to soak up that knowledge. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't know at first. So I was, I guess, cautiously optimistic. Um, and holy cow, what, three to five years into it. I mean, I've, I did things some people never do in their entire lifetime. Right. I mean, Rose Parade being on a float, not only that 125th annual, that was a, what's cool. That was my kids and my wife, their first parade to ever go to. <laughs> that was it. And they got to decorate, they got to decorate the float. I mean, it was just the granddaddy of all, you know, of all parades, you know. And the cool thing about it was that it, again, it just opened folks, people's eyes to, to canines and what they do. And, and you know, that's not, you know, the mission of Canine Scops is not just giving dogs and, but I think it's also being ambassadors and trying to school folks on, on, you know what these dogs do and, and the importance of them in, in, uh, in society. Well, you, and you're, you're bringing a, you're bringing a light to what law enforcement's really involved with and the dangers that they face on a regular basis. 
But then you you guys also got to go to a special TV show, didn't you? Yeah, we did Steve Harvey. Yeah, that was uh, interesting. Wow. Well, no, we got to talk about that for a minute because, first of all, how did they get you all there? Second of all, how did you already dealt with one crazy dog? Now you got a bunch of dogs in one room. How do you guys get out of this without the dogs tearing up you or each other? Because my understanding was you were in that back room for quite a while. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> I don't think I was in Chicago for 24 hours. Like, I flew in. Got there, went to studios. They brought us up in the service elevator. I I knew a couple of the guys, uh, or one of them at least, maybe two. But it was a like a large conference room on the opposite side of the building from on that floor from Christie. And luckily, I didn't have a dog, right? But everybody else did. So, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. Well, guess what? I'm going to watch this dog now. I got to watch this dog. So basically, I was just I was a dog watcher, <laughs> babysitting. Yep, babysitting dogs and. uh you know, for the most part, they were all social. Well, I was going to say, but how did the dogs react when your their handler turns them over to a, a, a total stranger, basically? Well, you hope the guy's been doing some uh, acclimation training. Training. And, you know, <laughs> you hey, is he friendly? You know, I mean, you just, you, you deal with it. That's why I handle dogs, I guess. But yeah, I mean, for the for the most part, they're, they're not, they're not on cue. They're not doing their job, right? I mean, they, they know the difference for the most part, right? I mean, yeah, they they were anxious because there were other dogs in there. But did you get bit that day? I did not that day. Thank goodness. Yeah. There you go. I noticed he said that day. So there may be another one that we'll have to talk about. But let's talk about that day. <laughs> so, how cool was it to be? You know that you're being part of this surprise. So tell tell us about you know getting all keyed up and then getting ready to walk out. You know and surprise Christy with this. Yeah, I, I, you know they, she wasn't supposed to know about it. So. Uh... You know, I had to rehearse these lines, and I still screwed them up, but uh, that's all right. Uh, well, it was funny because when she was telling us her version, she said, you know, they had me in the green room, and if I wanted to go to the restroom, which is just across the hallway, I had a, these two massive men there to escort me across the hallway. I didn't have <laughs> massive men there, but yeah, it was, hold on, we're going to go check the hallways. Somebody was watching so you could get past to go to the restroom because, yeah, they didn't want they didn't want it to accidentally you know, see, they wanted it to be a surprise, which it, it truly was a surprise. Uh, but she was expecting you to be there, right? And you you had to come up with a way to bail on her? She's like, hey, I want you to go. And I said, I can't. You know, I, and I don't remember what I said. She's, she basically said, this is bullshit, right? Like, this is bullshit. <laughs> and so she was bashful. not. Yeah, she was not happy. Like, I was getting texts. And I'm sitting over. I mean, I was getting texts while I'm over there waiting. I can't believe you're not here. Da, da, da. And I'm I just didn't respond, right? So, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then she had to go and start crying, right? Like, she's mad at me because she said I made her cry on national television, but I'm pissed off that she cried because it made me cry on national television. But, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not crying, you're crying. No, I'm not crying, you're crying. That's right. That's right. But it was for the right reasons here. Sure. Well, so tell us about walking out though that moment when you surprise her. Give just give us your you know what did it how did it feel to really pull the wool over her eyes like that and genuinely because she said too she was genuinely surprised had no clue. Oh yeah, she's still pissed off at me till t- today. You know, uh, very, I mean honestly she is. Um, you know, not in a not in a gotcha kind of way. It just it felt good. You know, she needed. You know, it's good that she got recognition. Right. And, and to get that, uh, cause she's done, she's done a ton for, for the, the dog community. And I, and I get it. Like a lot of guys, Oh, they, 
you know, like you were talking about before, think that, you know, she's just this lady that's wanting to do this, whatever, but, uh, just PR, I get it, but her heart's in the right place and she's doing it, you know, for the right reasons. So let me tell you a clue how I know she's serious about this. Cause I deal with ADD or ADHD and stuff. This has been going on. I mean, she founded this back in 2010, I think, right? Yes. 2000. So we're, we're going on 12 years now. Somebody with ADD cannot sustain something like this for 12 years unless it is a true, genuine devotion of theirs. And she's dedicated to it, too. I mean, when we had her on the episode, when we talked with her, it just actually came out the previous week from when we're recording this episode 43, came out the week of April 4th. I mean, she just, like you say, just full of knowledge. And But the other thing, too, is people look at her and think, oh, you've led a life of privilege, forgetting the fact that she was the victim of a pretty serious assault an attack. And the way she just handled it, even with us, I'm going, good God. I mean, if you're a guy, we say you got a big set there, you know, and she just the way she dealt with stuff. It's like, and I think she brought that mindset to dealing with this. Did she ever tell you what was it about that story that appealed to her, the reason that she wanted to do this? You know, I think, I don't even think the volume was up on the TV when she saw it. I think they were showing a picture of me, uh, Maybe it was from the Chronicle story, uh, holding holding that picture with my dog, or I, I don't I don't know what she saw on the TV, but I don't think the volume was up, and uh, and I think basically from what I remember, she just she related that uh, you know there's a guy about my age, probably has a family like I do, and now he's you know he's lost his partner and. You know, which that was the biggest kick. One of the biggest kicks was going home and telling my daughter the next morning. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's that's why. Uh, I can't imagine that conversation. You know, and thinking back when when we talked to Christy about this in her interview, you know, she they were trying to some Christmas Eve. They're trying to decide what Christmas presents she wants on Christmas Eve. You know, shame on John, right? I mean, yeah. I, every every time I get up, I at the last uh, at the last uh, benefit that we had, I think I, I had to get up and uh, all my guys in my unit. I think we got a little unit citation or something, so I they all pushed me forward. Like, hey, buddy, you're you're talking. I'm, so, uh, and I usually always start off by going, John, I'm sorry. Right. Like, I'm sorry. Uh, didn't mean to do that. Uh, but, but, you know, and, and it kind of, I'm quite honest, it just pisses me off that people would, would look unkindly on her for what she's done because it's this, it's this simple. She saw a need. She didn't wait for somebody else to do something. She stepped up and did something and is continuing 12 years later. And it's been phenomenal for the law enforcement community. So I, you know, God bless her. I, you know, I haven't met her yet, but love this lady. Yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. Yeah. So they're, they're the skeptics and, and those that maybe, Hey, it's, it, it, you know, it takes all kinds in this world, but yeah, she's, yeah, she's definitely the doing it for the right that, reasons. There's the turds out there that say somebody should do something, but they would never consider stepping up themselves. You go back to, you know, the guy only getting two years and he probably didn't even spend six months in jail for killing my dog. But, uh, and I say dog partner. Um, but guess what? Thanks, bud. Cause you just put 250 more dogs on the street to catch pieces of shit like you. Right. 
Absolutely. Uh, Amen, uh, you know, you, you try to look at the glass being half full instead of half empty. Yeah, Absolutely. and that's that's what we all try and do. But at the end of the day, it still sucks. But when you sit back and look on it, and there will be a time in your life where you'll look back on it, and it'll be maybe you'll never get you never get over it, but you do get through it, and there'll be a day when you finally get through it. But you'll look back on it and realize that Black served a much bigger purpose than being a single dog out there with you. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, absolutely. I'm, yeah, whatever higher power people believe in, uh, you know, mine's God, but uh, things happen for a reason. And I can't explain why, but, you know, him dying, that dog eating me up, me getting involved in a gunfight, that all that all happened for a reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't explain all of it, but that's, you know, I think we we have certain things that happen for certain reasons and, you know. That's just how how it's supposed to be. So, well, let's let's uh, before we lighten things up, let's just finish too because it is a tough uh, part of the job. These things, and just when we were getting ready to record this, I mean, you were on early, and one of the things we talked about is you're getting ready to plan uh, help plan another funeral for a cop. Yeah, and I don't know that we're planning it, but our you know our department's so large. Uh, <laughs> I'm tired of doing this uh, this year. Um, I think this is number eight, uh, that we're involved in, but we have resources. We have a great, uh, honor guard or color guard. Uh, I mean, top, top notch. The city does too. Um, you know, we have an air wing, um, mounted. We, I mean, we have a lot of resources. Um, so we take those, that contingent and, and move, uh, places, uh, again, this constable's agency just lost a, lost a deputy, uh, a week or two ago and th- this is the planning for that funeral but they need to be able to uh to mourn and not have to worry about responding to calls for service and taking care of things responding for service so we have our patrol will pick up those calls uh we're there you know don't worry about your back somebody sneaking in here and doing something our SWAT team's there to you know we got a we have a large contingent and then as canine will go through and and uh, do what we need to do uh beforehand but yeah i gotta go go pre-plan and and look at look at this venue for that here very very shortly so that's that's the law enforcement brotherhood and sisterhood I, you just can't beat it man you got to be yeah. part of it to understand it but you can't beat it yeah people think it's you know oh they're crooked they're looking at no no it's not it at all you just you, if you haven't done it you don't understand it uh, that's exactly right you know it's just like you know guys who've done special forces training or whatever. I wasn't in the military, but you know, uh, it's a, you know, if you haven't embraced the suck together, it's, it's hard to understand it. So, yep. uh, yep. Unless like a Navy SEAL told me one time, as you can always tell when a Navy SEAL is about to bullshit you, you said, no shit there. I was knee deep in grenade pins, but I mean, they are, but it is a, when you talk to guys who've been Rangers, um, uh, force recon in the Marines, uh, SOCOM special operations command, you're right. It's a brotherhood sisterhood that you only get it by being there by doing it. Um, and you know, you've obviously done a lot of things. Uh, and you know, at the end of the day too, I, I, I tell you the one, the one organization I really appreciate and I donate to them every single year. In fact, my, uh, Amazon, uh, you can do, you can donate to charity with what they call smile, smile.amazon.com. All of my money goes to the officer down memorial page, uh, odmp.org, because they also have a canine section and they honor every canine uh, that's killed in the line of duty. In fact, you get the t they have the t-shirts for the officers with the name, the roll call, they have the t-shirts for the canines. So very proud that these guys, you know, uh, do stuff like this. And I'm just always honored to support, uh, folks like that. Cause to your point, canines, 
perform such a valuable service. And quite frankly, the, the role of a canine at the end of the day, you hate to say it, but the role of a canine is, is, is to make sure you go home, Ted. A hundred percent. Your partner is, your partner is there to make sure you go home. I don't want to, yeah, or, or one of my buddies. I don't want to go tell his wife that uh, I didn't want to send my dog there because, you know, I, again, <laughs> love them and you get a bond, but they are a tool. Um, and I'll train another one. I mean, you know, as, as callous as some people may think that sounds, it's, that's what it is. Even though you build that bond, I mean, they're, they, you know, he died doing his job and he died doing what he loved to do. So it's, you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a tool, but it's a, it's a great tool. It's a phenomenal tool. Uh, you know, they, uh, there's nothing that, uh, no machine yet that, as I always say, I sound like a broken record that's been invented that does what, what these dogs, a good handler and a, a dog can do together. So. so Murph knows I have a huge Belgian beer collection. I have a big beer fridge, but I will tell you this. Um, my next toast will be to you and Black, and uh, we'll toast Black. Awesome. Appreciate it. Sweet. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Ted, thank you so much for taking the time to come here. We know you got a ton of things on your schedule, and, uh, you know, you have Kira, I think, is your dog now. Is that right? Yes, sir. I mean, you got a busy schedule. So the fact that you t- gave us uh, several hours of your time, it's just, and you're supporting Christy on the board. Yeah, but wait, we can't go yet. One more thing we got to know from you. You got to tell us a funny story about Christy that we can use with her. Don't piss that woman off. She'll come and kick Not- our butts. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Give us a funny story. Man, you put me on the spot. Oh, he's he's got to go to a board Absolutely, meeting. Absolutely, asshole! After calling, talk, dissing the troopers, the you know, the trooper brotherhood, you're on the spot, pal. Let me explain. I, you're not the only trooper I diss. I diss all of them. <laughs> they deserve it. Uh, I got buddies that are troopers. Uh, you know, um, it's all done with love. Man, I, there's just so many. I know. Just pick one. <laughs> Uh, Christy, I had nothing to do with this. I just want you to know. (laughs) Uh, He knows he just doesn't want to say, I know, you can see this devilish grin coming up on his face. (laughs) All right, man, we'll we'll let you off the hook. I don't want to to put you on the spot too bad. You know you can outrun her, Ted. Well, you might damn be able to outrun her dogs, though. Yeah. Now she's got a couple of mouths there. That's we were recording it. Those dogs were going off. I'm like, just make sure they don't eat me. And like yeah. she told James Comey, the dog won't eat you unless she found out you voted for Hillary Clinton. So. Right. That's right. She sent me that picture. That was hilarious. That is so similar to episode eight, Mike Neal, the 17 seconds from hell, but he's the Arkansas fishing game guy that took on the two sovereign citizens. Uh, listen, Mike's a buddy of mine. Yeah. I listened oh, to yeah. him talk in Texas at a, at a conference. Yeah. That's a phenomenal story. Well, we have the video of him nut checking the vice president of the United States when he was getting his medal. Awesome. <laughs> he did. Yeah, awesome. It was Joe Biden at the time, but he he reaches back with his hands and you can see he made first contact and it was like, "Oh." Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Uh, kudos, I'll buy him a beer. All right. Well, I tell you, we'll we'll, we'll arrange that. Say, so, hey, but Ted, I got to tell you, man, we're going to wrap up on time as we promised, but I can't tell you, man, it's an honor to talk to you. And the other thing too is you can just see how important this job is to you. Um, you said you didn't start it because you wanted to, you know, when you got into it, you didn't want to serve people, but it's become very clear. That's what you do now. And the, and the, yeah. the, the response 
that we got out of you when we talked about Black just really shows where your heart is. And it takes more people like you with the heart in the right place, even though your mind's a little off because you, the way you talk about troopers, but your heart's in the right place, pal. Bless you. Uh, you. You try so hard. We're just so proud of you, Ted. No, thank you. I'm a little SLO, as my friend's mother used to say, but uh, sorry. Right. Hey, and, and hats off to your family, too, for uh, allowing the dog in the house, because I know that's that's a different lifestyle altogether. Well, so. that's, that's one thing folks don't realize. It's the families that probably take the brunt of this. Yep, they always do. So, they always yeah, do. It takes a special spouse and children. It sure does. <laughs> God bless sure you, brother. Does. Thank all you. right, God bless you. Well, we're going to keep this right on time like we promised. So y'all, y'all, y'all hang on with us. <laughs> all y'all stay tuned for the debrief. <laughs> Through my diligence as a highly trained investigator, I need to give credit to who gave us the story from Bluefield, West Virginia. And it was our buddy, Fred Nicolosi. Fred ferreted out the information and provided it to us so that we could provide you additional entertainment. And we have. Thank you, Fred. Absolutely, Fred. You're, you're one of our heroes, buddy. You, we can always count on you. Uh, with good questions. And he says, I'm sorry for asking another question, dude. That's what Q&A is about. It's about asking <laughs> questions. So don't apologize for that. That's why we invented the segment. So anyway... We hope you guys enjoyed that. Again, uh, sir, even when you listen to it, even when I was editing it and you got to the part and when he talks about how he didn't know what was going on, he thought his dog maybe just lost. But when the sergeant walked up to him holding his six foot leash and came up and gave him a hug. All these years later, what is it, 15 years later or whatever, you know, something like that, he still breaks down. It's it's it's. You know, and I got to tell you, when I see a cop tear up, I, you know, thankfully we're, you can only hear us. You can't see us because I usually tear up too. It's, I don't know if it's an age thing or it's just a brotherhood thing or what, but uh, what a fantastic story. And, and, you know, Ted didn't let that get him down. He moved on. It took him a while to get over it. You know, you heard his story just now, but uh, he's still back out there kicking ass and taking names now. He's, I think he's on his third dog, if I remember correctly. Uh, and yeah. this one is uh, the mobile order dog. He smokes. Mobile Odors. Odor. Yeah. You said order. It's like he's not a short order cook. The yeah, dog is not thing, out there taking thing, orders. You know, smell fries. You know, everybody oh, smells fries. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you own cats. You can't bark like a dog. <laughs> I know. Oh, anyway, well, guys, we hope you enjoyed that. Like I said, yeah. very inspiring. And we've got a, we've got some more stories coming up too. So um and some of these dogs are awesome. Some of the seizures they're getting, what they're doing for kids. So we'll have some more episodes coming on that. But if you like this, head on over to that Apple and Spotify. Hit those five stars. Let us know what you think about us. Give us some feedback. Give us some honest feedback. You want more episodes? You want fewer? Um, you know, what kind of stories? In fact, we have gotten, Murph, we have actually put stories in. We went out and found the people because people said, hey, could you talk to this person? Or what about this person? So we're working through those all the time. Also head on over to our website, gameofcrimespodcast.com. That's where we put all of our merch, um, our information, the books. Uh, we got our new book list out there, which actually is extensive. I think we have about 20 books on that list. Wow. Or even more, I mean, from the guests and stuff. I think about 20 or 21 of our guests actually have written books. So we've got those up there as well. Follow us on this thing called social media before Elon Musk buys it all up at Game of Crimes on Twitter. <laughs> That's <laughs> at Game of Crimes. story. <laughs> uh, that, we'll have to talk about that. Game of Crimes podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. And if you feel like just tossing a couple dollars, go over to paypal.com. Use our email, Game of Crimes podcast at gmail.com or paypal.me slash Game of Crimes 
whatever makes it easier, but really where you got to be, where you got to be, where you got to be, patreon.com slash Game of Crimes, our case of the month. We've got some other good stuff coming up. We've got our live stream coming up, our review. Probably going to be Patriots Day because it's so far in the lead. It's like double jeopardy. You know, you ain't going to catch the guy. So he's so far ahead. Final Jeopardy, there's no catching him. So I think it's going to be Patriots Day. Well, and that's fantastic because we had Ed Davis on here, you know, months and months ago, who was the commissioner of the Boston police during the marathon bombing up there. And and if you don't know it, uh, Mark Wahlberg does things to support uh, children in law enforcement, with law enforcement, and especially against the opioid crisis that's going on right now and all the counterfeit medications. So I'm excited, uh, you know, to, I've seen the movie, but I'm looking forward to to watch it again. I think he's a fantastic actor. And who knows, you know, we, we have connections. You never know. You might hear Mark on here someday. I know a guy who knows a guy. Maybe Absolutely. we might have somebody else famous. We're still working on that. We've actually, we won't tell you who, but we actually have made contact. We have the agreement in principle and we're just trying to find a date now. So, yep. Yep. He's we'll have somebody fact, famous uh, other than me. He, he contacted uh, just a couple days ago and, and uh, we should know by the end of the month. So we should have a date. All right. And by the way, that episode with Ed Davis was episode 16. So go listen to Ed Davis and listen to what Mark Wahlberg's personal trainer, Ed Davis, says about working out with Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Which was Mark gets up too early uh, for him and he doesn't stay up late enough for Ed. So yeah. <laughs> that was a great interview, too. Ed was great he's a fantastic cop. Yeah. So and we'll have a chance to do that. Anyway, guys, we want to thank you guys once again. And we, we sincerely mean this. You guys have been helping us out. We hit a huge milestone. Um, we're way up there now in terms of podcast downloads. We want to thank you guys. And thank you guys once again for playing the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all, the Game of Crimes. 